They had come together at the ford of the Trident, while the battle crashed around them. Robert with his warhammer, his great antler helm. The Targaryen prince, armored all in black. On his breastplate was a three-headed dragon of his house, wrought all in rubies that flashed like fire in the sunlight. The waters of the Trident ran red around the hooves of their destroyers as they circled and clashed again again, until at last an arcing swing from Robert's hammer missed its target. The momentum of the hammer swinging through put Robert's horse off balance, and it stumbled in the stream. Horse and stag crashed down into the trident and the hopes of Robert's rebellion with them. Rhaegar dismounted as Robert struggled to turn his armored body in the knee-deep waters. The last thing Robert saw was the fire of the rubies before Rhaegar's sword sliced through his gorget, spilling his blood. When Ned had finally come on the scene, Robert lay dead in the stream, while men of both armies knelt to the Targaryen prince. Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 99! What if the stag had stumbled? I am Scatty, and with me, as always, is my buddy, Matt. Hello, hello. We're trying something a little new tonight, everybody. Gone. Oh, my goodness. Gone are the days of the uh, reading and discussing. We're opening up a new series, a new Davos Fingers series called What If, in which we will try to take a look at how events or things may have changed in A Song of Ice and Fire if a certain single instance or event had gone differently. So we're kicking off this series with this question. What if Rhaegar Targaryen had beaten Robert Baratheon at the Trident? As if you couldn't tell from our cold open there. No prep you needed to have done beforehand. No, no, like, no, like prep reading or anything like that. This is just Scatty and myself exploring the world you all know and wondering <laughs> what if honestly dude this is stone cold Davos fingers right here right no prep no planning no like deep insights it's just like two dudes discussing what might happen i hope someone mentioned that it. I think it was Colin on it was Twitter. Long time listener, yeah. Yeah, he was saying that like this what if series sounds so Davos Fingarian, right? Like this is just what you would do. This is what we're all about, just sitting around um and and talking about what could have been. Yeah. So only excited. thing that would make it better, Colin, is if you were here with us, man. We'd love to talk about it with you. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Oh crap! We're on air. Uh, oh jeez, that was that we, we recorded that. Whoopsies. Now. Edit that out. You might forget that. Hopefully you don't. Love you, sir. Blood of our blood. Uh, okay. Announcements. We don't have a lot. Um, nah. a couple things. Um, first of all, Quiplash. I myself, Scad, participated in Quiplash with uh, a bunch of legends of the fandom. Uh, big brains, and we did it to help benefit Ice and Fire Con a few weeks ago. Uh, if you just go to YouTube and type in History of Westeros Quiplash to the search bar, it'll it'll come right up, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and 
benefited one of my favorite events I mean, of all time in my life, Ice uh-huh. Marathon. For sure. Uh, so go check it out. It was it was it was a blast too. So go listen up. It was it was fun. And I'll do that too because I haven't listened yet. Ooh. Oh man. Uh oh. Well, it's fun. My day. It's fun. It was a blast. It sounded like it. Uh, and then coming up, Scad and I are going to be participating in some fun stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Radio Westeros is doing a fun little series they're calling the Streams of Winter, where they basically kind of go through and discuss focusing on different POV characters specifically, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, they start with POV character, but they talk about kind of the whole story around that POV character and the political implications and Marshall and all of the things, yeah. Going into the Winds of Winter. Yeah, it's kind of like a primer to get ready for... The release that we all know is coming yes. before winter, I'm sure. I'm sure. This is this is usually I'm the optimist of our little pair. Scott is no, this is happening. Is is remaining just like startlingly optimistic about a release of winds. It's more of like the last thing that's gonna save my life, Matt. <laughs> So I have it's to cling to it. the thread like you're a, holding on to. It's that it's, ledge. It's like Leo on the it's, fucking door in Titanic. Like yeah, just, it's like your fingernails are just there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What the audience doesn't know at the time is that Leo's already dead, and so am I. Whether the book comes. But, uh, you know, no, I'm, this I'm is your You're Luke Skywalker on the weather vane at the bottom of Cloud City, holding yeah. on upside down. Leia! Germ wins. Yeah. And all of a sudden, George R. R. Martin is just sitting there and his eyes open and he goes, Scad. And he the, hops on his little DOS computer, whatever he types it on, and goes at it. <laughs> the difference being, of course, that Luke had power and I have none. I am just a husk of a human clinging to life, uh, waiting for the winds of winter. I feel like you just need to believe to in yourself finish more. Well. <laughs> Listen, it's been a rough week. Uh, I, along with a lot of Americans, are in a very, uh, very emotional place right now. Uh, we'll get to that later. We're, sure. we're laughing to not cry. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so June 13th, uh, I will be joining Radio Westeros to discuss Davos, our namesake. And then Scad, go with your... Yeah, I, I will be joining on June 20th to discuss Arya, uh, one of my favorite characters. Usually I call her my favorite character, though. You know, these things kind of move around a little bit as I read. Um, if you don't know what the Strings of Winter is, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about it already. Get out from Gear Rock and, and go Google it and find it. Radio Westers has been doing a great job with it. They had Chloe on this week, well, the week we're recording anyway, um, uh, from, from Girls Gone Canon. And they're just doing a great job of kind of setting the scene for what's coming with the Winds of Winter for all POVs. It's pretty great. Yeah, so check out that stuff with Radio Westeros. You'll hear about it from them. You'll hear about it from us. Uh, Just a reminder, we're not doing any Patreon charging or anything this month. They're probably for a little bit longer, however long we decide. Uh, But we're still delivering our content at the same time. So before we had Patreon, patrons would receive our episodes 
the Friday before the Monday release date. Now we are just releasing everything on that Friday. Everyone gets to be a part of the early release uh, for now, so we'll be continuing to do that for the foreseeable future. We hope everyone's doing well with all this COVID-19 and the economic implications that have come of it. And uh, just know we're thinking about you, and we hope everyone's doing well. Man, I tell you, my kids are not doing great. Well, that's the hardest they, part. They miss structure, man. My, my older kid, Mary, he made up school, <laughs> and he's the teacher. He calls it square school, and he teaches Pippin whatever, all these things. They grab books, and they read, and he gives them assignments and everything. I, like, who knew the kids love school that much? The kid's but, a square. The kid's a square. Isn't that the same uh, one? <laughs> yo, the kid's a square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L7 Weenie. L7 Weenie. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, moving on. Given the far-reaching implications of this method of exploration, I mean, this is a what-if episode. Who knows where we're going to go? Honestly, yeah. more than any other episode we ever had, like this could go literally anywhere. We're already loose cannons enough. I mean, you <laughs> haven't even seen how far we can go. <laughs> we need zero help to, to, to go to go rogue. And here we are asking, honestly, Matt, we picked the worst question to begin with. This is the broadest question I think we could have possibly. I thought asked. it would just be this little tiny thing. And no, it affects everything. 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 Everybody. Everybody. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, it affects Samuel Tarly. I have Samuel Tarly just staying at home. Anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, So the point is, spoilers bound, we're going to cover everything, everything here. Nothing is off limits. I doubt we'll touch the show because who cares. But other than that, like probably everything is in bounds. Yeah. Also in bounds is contacting us. Oh, please uh, do. Yeah, we. Yeah. It sure is nice to talk to you. Um, even if you want to video yourself, uh, giving us ideas for future episodes, like uh, our Sun and Stars Aaron did this week. Dude, Aaron, <laughs> complete I love the, with the countdown books. to it was even and, better. Yeah, it was just fantastic. Uh, we love you, man. But uh, you know where to find us, everybody. We're on Twitter, um, DavosFingers.com. We are DavosFingers at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. And you can always explore around the Patreon site at Patreon.com slash DavosFingers. That's right. We're going to get started with a summary now. Yeah. So this is uh, just meant to give you a little lead-in to the whole discussion we're having tonight. Okay? Right. Um, a little setup. Mm-hmm for everything we're going to discuss, which is just highly experimental, all of it, to be honest. Yeah. Let's 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 go into it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. The tourney at Heron Hall was a tourney that brought lords and ladies from across the realm to celebrate Lord Wint's daughter's birthday. But it turned into the spark that would light the rebellion that changed Westeros forever and ended Targaryen rule after nearly 300 years. Yeah, that spark. Um, what was that? Well, the love of or infatuation for one Lyanna Stark by Rhaegar Targaryen. She would disappear a year later 
and whether abducted or absconded, that disappearance led her brother Brandon to gather some friends and race to King's Landing to demand her return. <laughs> yeah, and is so as is so often the case with a hot-headed teen rushing off to his destiny, it didn't go as his plan. Uh, Brandon and colleagues were imprisoned instead of succeeding in getting his sister back. And when Rickard, his dad, came to be like, hey man, can I can I pick up my son now? Uh, all of them, Rickard included, save one Ethan Glover, who knows why, were executed. Rickard famously dying in a trial by combat against Aeris' champion, champion, Fire. Totally fair play to that. Dick move. Dick move. Aeris took it a step further, though, calling for the heads of Eddard Stark and Robert Baratheon. But John Aaron refused. Officially, I suppose, starting the rebellion. Yeah, and Robert Baratheon was a natural fit for the crown, a behemoth with a hammer, full of charisma and zest for life. He could make friends of foes, and perhaps most importantly, had a connection to Targaryen blood. His grandmother was Rhaella Targaryen. She was the youngest daughter of Aegon V, Egg. We miss, we miss that little guy. Oh, I miss Egg. Oh, man, muscled like a, like a maiden's fantasy. Yeah, I'm that, surprised you let me read that part. Is Was it because you didn't think you could contain yourself? Listen, I, I, I came listening to you read it. Hands on the table, sir. There, you don't they, even need. They, you don't even were, need your hands right now. Anyway. You don't even need your hands. It happened right anyway. Now. I didn't, it was involuntary. <laughs> oh, it was very anyway. voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> Battles followed. This is listen. This is Triple B's. This is his moment. All right. Let me have this. Battles followed. Goldtown, Summerhall, both falling to Triple B in his hand. He conquered foes, uh, and then they joined him in his ranks. His ranks swelled, and even a seeming defeat at Ashford at the hands of Randall Tarly didn't seem to deter their cause. Though Robert was in need of support from his best friend Eddard and his northern armies, it seemed like it was kind of going okay. Mm-hmm. He holed up, though, in a, in a retreat course, all alone at Stony Set, where the citizens hid him from the forces of new hand of the king, John Connington. Yeah, and a great morale-boosting battle takes place here as Robert evaded Connington until Eddard's forces arrived. Shout out to the people of the town who weren't uh, falling to Connington or falling, um, weren't taking his threat seriously, and we know how Connington feels about that later. Uh, All of a sudden, though, Robert emerges from a brothel slaying six men as Eddard's men fight a fierce battle on the streets and rooftops of Stony Sept. The rebels were victorious, and Ares was forced to take new steps to deal with these upstarts. Enter Rhaegar Targaryen and the Trident, the defining moment of this rebellion and of the following decades. Yeah. Yeah, Rhaegar had been missing for this whole thing to the battle from the south where he was uh, squirreled away with Lyanna Stark. Yeah. But when he did show up, he brought with him 10,000 Dornish spearmen. There were heroes on both sides. Evil was everywhere. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as only happens in the storybooks, the two contenders for the future of the realm and for Lyanna's hand would meet in the shallow part of the Trident to decide the war. Yeah, and now in George's story... (laughs) (laughs) 
Who cares? <laughs> After you hear what we have to say tonight. Uh, anyways, in George's story, Triple B kills Rhaegar, and the rebels proceed to King's Landing, where Tywin has joined their cause, has already sacked the capital, and has killed Rhaegar's wife and children. Now, Jaime Lannister, the Kingsguard, dispatches King Aerys himself, and like that, the new dynasty has begun. But it's we are It is that simple. But we're not following any of it. In our version, in today's story, Robert falls to Rhaegar at the Trident, and Tywin shows up to defend King's Landing in a show of solidarity. Oh, that Tywin, he's all about solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, boy. Okay. This is going to be an interesting episode, you guys. Usually, usually we have sections that are very clearly defined. Matt leads one section, Scat another section they summarize it then we discuss and we banter about it and everyone has a good time yeah this time we're skipping all the summary stuff right and we're just gonna like banter about everything the summary so, just happened the summary just happened we just did it all mm-hmm. and then and now it's just like what happens after so matt and i are gonna step on each other's toes a lot yep. we have some topics to discuss uh we're we, probably gonna disagree a lot because we haven't discussed anything about Really feel we've we've sent notes. each other like little teasers of where our heads are at but nothing yeah. specific there's been no coordination to get stories straight or anything like that that just feels contrary to what we're all about so yeah i felt dirty reading your email which <laughs> was brilliant i love where you're going but i'm like ah oh, i shouldn't know this ahead of time right right yeah anyway so the war ends right so we're we're gonna deal with this first section: immediate ramifications. Yeah. What happens in the aftermath of the battle? Uh-huh. In like the few days and weeks after. So, I mean, when we first brought this up, I thought the answer was obvious. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm a Robert Baratheon fanboy. Okay. Triple B, Triple B for life. And maybe I'm overstating his personal importance to the war. Am I? Um. No, I don't think you are. I, I think that uh, you you take out Robert and you cut off the head of the rebellion, essentially. Now, I know that there's John Aaron and people feel loyalty to him. I know there's Eddard Stark and the North feels loyalty to him. But Robert had that charisma and that that air of invincibility, I think, around him, <laughs> especially as, whew, especially with the uh, do you need to go change again? I, I mean, I just got, I just got underwear for days. We're all good. I'm all set. You've got, you've got a, like a stack of towels and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, I might just recommend you don't wear any pants at all, man. Just, I mean, listen, don't give away my secret. Uh, oh, where were we? Robert with I the don't... air of invincibility highlighted by like, you know, he's winning three victories in a single day at summer hall and then he comes he he appears out of nowhere at stony sept injured swinging that hammer like a madman killing people i think if you take out robert you suck the wind right out of the sails of the rebellion i think you're mostly right i i, I think you're right and here here's where i I, I question a little bit. Okay. He he is listen, Robert was 
an abuser, a wife beater, mm-hmm. a sot, a terrible husband. Alcoholic, in the future years, things, yeah. in the future years, 14, 15 years down the line, maybe 10 even, if, or if, we, if we want to really attack his character. I don't, I don't know when it all started. I mean, actually, I mean, it started kind of on his wedding night, right? Paul Cersei Lyanna. Absolutely. Uh, I remember him knocking Joffrey around when he was a little boy for the kittens thing, all that. Yeah. Yeah. He was not a a good dude. Definitely Mm -hmm. not a good husband, not a good father for sure. I'm not trying to defend him at all. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesus. I think I was just trying to defend him. Anyway, um, he was a figurehead, like you said. Yep. But, But he was just a man. And before this all happened... He was just some dude foundered at the Vale. So there's this whole theory. You you guys have probably all heard of it before. The Southern Ambitions Theory. That indicates that the North was working with the South to kind of try to create relationships and alliances to undercut the crown and create something else going forward. Yeah, eventually build up enough strength to have a legitimate challenge to the crown to it, it what i understand of it it wasn't even so much to rebel and put someone new on the throne but to be able to wield some sort of authority right right and and so often those kinds of uh thrusts of power are kind of in the shadows mm-hmm. until a moment until a moment comes to the fore in which they can take the control and I feel like Robert's Rebellion was that moment for them. This is where they kind of take control. Mm. But when it failed, does that mean everyone gives up? I'm not sure. Stannis would have been 18, capable of assuming the throne, proven at Storm's End as a stalwart and effective leader, mm-hmm. you know, besieged and not readily available for sure. But we have to remember what was at stake for these people. They have spent years building these relationships, trying to contemplate how they can make this effective. Those that were seriously engaged might have been very resistant to just giving this up just because Robert died. I mean, remember what Robert really was. I mean, you know, he's he's the high school quarterback. Yep. It He's... Maybe linebacker. He, may, well, something. Defensive end. Something. Tight end. He, yeah. regard, well, I'm, I'm not going to go with tight end. I'm just going to say, like, he's not necessarily the end-all, be-all of sure. the rebellion. He's right? not. He's not. If they could find a suitable replacement, they might have. Could Edward have been that replacement? Could they have found someone else? I don't know. I'm just saying it's possible they would have continued. I think you have a counter-argument, though, that, that is more compelling. I don't know if it's more compelling, but it's different. Do you, yeah, want me to, okay. do you want me to go in and, and you yeah, provide the look, color commentary? I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say, before you dive in, I'll just say it's possible that they would not have given up so easily. Right. That Robert would have fallen in the trident and they'd been like, fuck it, keep fighting, man. Yeah, keep we're going to do this. That's Don't com- kneel, keep going, because he's just one man. We'll put someone else in there. It's keep 100% possible, especially because of the fact that you've got northern forces under Eddard Stark. and. Yeah. Those northern forces are more loyal to um, the the Lord of Winterfell, first and foremost. So, it, it's important to note, though, that like I think a lot hinges on this trident, right? 
whoever kind of like wins the battle has a lot of momentum. This was, um, as far as we know, this was, I mean, and it seems pretty obvious that it would be, this is the largest commitment of troops in a battle in Robert's Rebellion um, for this whole war. It's about 70,000, right? You had about, you had about 40,000 and and the, the crown's forces outnumbered the rebel forces by a bit. The crown forces were about 40 rebel 35. Um, It's a lot though. This is a ton. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, but, but it also just kind of lends to the fact that if it's not a decisive outcome, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people left willing to fight. There's still a can, lot of people left. If you left. can rally it around another person. Right. And if I'm honest, Eddard is not that person. So you gotta find someone else. And that's where my that's that's where my idea and my thoughts went is that person uh, and this, go, Matt. this will wow. sound bad is Rhaegar. That person is Rhaegar. Mm. Fly, so, Matt, fly. Fly. Here we go. First of all, we got to go back to Rhaegar's primary objective. Um, Ooh, which is what? To me, it's he's learned about the threat of the others with the oh, aid man. of Maester Aemon at the wall. We're going to hit that a lot later. Yep. And, and um, he's learned about this and the ice component to the Song of Ice and Fire. And having learned all of that, Rhaegar's sole focus becomes siring the prince that was promised to fight the others. This hey, is, he already did that, though. Oh, yeah. House of the Undying? What? This is more than a matter of (laughs) politics, of rule, of a new heir. This is the salvation of humanity that Rhaegar's worried about right now, and he's going to do whatever it takes. Um, We know that Aemon was communicating with Rhaegar somehow because Aemon talks about it to Samwell, right? He talks about Rhaegar uh, thought this about the prince that was promised and da 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 and so they were communicating somehow they were well not somehow just through you know like letters just letters was that it well that's what i feel i'm interested to hear if you have something else i don't it's out of scope for this one (laughs) Um, so we get to rhaegar and liana right so rhaegar meets liana noting she is the only daughter of winterfell and it's then that his pathway i think becomes more clear I mean, her, f- and then not only is she the only daughter of Winterfell, the whole ice thing, but her fierceness of spirit like solidifies his resolve, seeing how she is at the at the tourney. Hold on, hold on, I'm going to challenge you for just a second before we continue. Okay. So you think he saw the Song of Ice and Fire for the Prince of His Promise, and he knew he needed a northern bride somehow? I think he made the connection of ice. Okay. Listen, we don't have a lot of information about any of this. We don't. So yeah. maybe. So this Let's is our what if. It. This is our keep what going. if. Keep going. Keep going. And, and, you know, it's noted by Mira that Leanna wept at one of Rhaegar's songs. Uh, yes. So I, I feel like this could be like a subtle hint that could demonstrate that Leanna, despite her fierceness of spirit and everything, would be open to listening to the crown prince, that he had a way with her, that he, he could, he, he pushed the right buttons with her, played the right notes. Um mm. And if, Listen, he, pos- if he possesses a knowledge of what's going on in the North through Amon, this would only like further bolster his credibility to her, I think. But, Definitely! Sorry. That's yeah. what I wanted to jump in with. Definitely. He has the notes to open her heart. Yeah. Everyone yeah. is looking for their soulmate. 
I don't uh-huh. believe in soulmates. Everyone is looking for someone to connect to. Uh-huh. He's singing the notes that appeal to her heart, especially if he gets her in a private conversation and he says, listen, I'm thinking about the wall. I'm thinking about the north. Exactly. Nothing opens up the heart of a northern girl like that. Yeah. He's not that he's, is he's not gonna tell her about life at court or things like that. Catnip for her. That's what she wants to hear. You're tied into what I value. Lovely. Any girl wants to hear that. And I'm not saying he was cheap about it. I think he meant it. I'm just saying that's that's beautiful. Yep. Love it. So we're on Go the same ahead. page with Sorry. that one. Keep going. P.S. Little bit of tinfoil. Um, I wonder if, you know, as things got going with this whole Rhaegar and Lyanna relationship, if word of it didn't get back to Rickard, her dad, and he bought into it. Mm. Um, maybe even through that's communication like, that's with... That's like the extreme form of yeah. Southern ambitions. Right. Perhaps even through communication with Maester Aemon. Um, I don't know. Maybe Team John is already a budding, budding idea. I have the teeniest shred of evidence that made me <laughs> that made me think that. Uh, and it was actually it, what hit me in the head with it was listening to Radio Westeros's um, Robert Demon of the Trident episode. They bring this up that it's interesting that Rickard, as far as we know, didn't did not demand Lyanna's return when he appeared at King's Landing. He only came there to get Brandon. He was there for Brandon alone and is curiously silent about Liana, at least what we have on the page. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, we have we have very little on the page. Yes. It could just be like, okay, I need my heir. He's so going like, for the immediate. Give him back, yeah, and then I'll be like, right. we'll talk about Liana later. Right, yeah. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, you know. It's not a lot to go on. Like I said, it's, it's the teeniest shred thin. of evidence. What thin. That's what we're doing on these what if episodes. Totally. Uh, maybe he understood she was already off making the prince that was promised with Rhaegar. Um, okay. So then fast forward to the trident. As I said before, I think Robert's death would crush the rebel forces for the reasons that I mentioned before. This is the hero who is the first over Goldtown's walls. He'd won three victories in a day at Summerfall. He'd emerged injured to inspire his men at Stony Sept. And there he is, dead in the water, with Rhaegar Targaryen standing over his body. I think it's there that the very prudent lords Stark, Aaron, and Tully call for a retreat, an orderly retreat even, knowing in their hearts that without its larger-than-life figurehead, the rebellion is all but lost. Maybe, Scott, I'll give that to you, maybe they were thinking they could fight another day, but I think the battle at the Trident is over at that point. Moving on. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think... As much as, as, much as I love Robert... Uh, I hate him as much as the next guy as well <laughs> for what he becomes. Right. So I, 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 but, 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 for the moment, in the moment, the moment is a, a crucial thing in these kinds of, in these kinds of, in these kinds of things. They need a symbol, something to rally behind. And Eddard is not that dude. And John Aaron is not that dude. And Hosser Tully is definitely fucking not that dude. <laughs> 
they don't have another dude. So I can see them just being like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. And okay. So that's where I, I see this uh, maybe pulling back then. And this is when we get into the what if of the episode, Scott. This yeah, is our yeah. bread and butter right now. That night as they're camped out, right? The battles are over. I think Rhaegar somehow calls for like a secret parlay or something. Meets with Eddard, John Aaron, Hoster Tully, maybe a few others. And he reveals to them what he's already revealed to members of his Kingsguard. That he plans to remove his father from power. Rhaegar's rule, under Rhaegar's rule, the realm would experience peace as something they were all fighting for. Maybe he brings up the threat of the others, but I feel like he might have to work himself into that conversation a little bit. But basically he's saying, we all want the same thing right now. We want peace. We want peace peace right now, right? (laughs) We're... The, the realm under King Ares, we know of his atrocities. We know of the instability of the realm with him. We all want the same thing right now, guys. We want there to be peaceful, stable rule. You know me. You know my reputation. I can provide that for you. Do they know his <clears throat> reputation? I feel, I feel like he's been a shadow. I feel like he's been really a, kind of reclusive. I'm not sure they do know. I feel You're like right. he would need to re- reassure them. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. There's, you know, the stuff that we get of the uh, accolades about Rhaegar generally come from people that were close to him. So yeah, you're right. Barristan, we got to be yeah. careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. Barristan mentions uh, Prince Jamie Rhaegar would have ascended the Iron Throne, mayhaps to rule the realm. Rhaegar, who would have been a finer king than any of them. That's Barristan talking. Yep. We get uh, some from Jamie too. Jamie respects yeah. him. So. Right. I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for sure. And I think right. it's fine to speculate that he, he could have managed it. Um, I mean, normally though, those that lose are punished. Yeah. I mean, we look at what happened after the Blackfire Rebellion. You, you don't have to look any further than Eustace himself mm-hmm. from, you know, from the Blackfire Rebellion. Mm-hmm. But Rhaegar, I feel like Rhaegar knows how messed up what Aeris did. Yep. You know, like, I, I feel like he, he has a sense of, like, conscience about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, kind of like how you're how you're jealous or not jealous, sorry, not jealous, uh, how you're conscientious of what your drunk uncle is doing at the party. Like, oh, my God. I'm really sorry. He's, sing, he's singing Don't Stop Believing Again. <laughs> That's my song. Right. Like, right. what is he doing? It's terrible. I'm really sorry. He oh, I'm so again. embarrassed. Please just, yeah. please just go before you hear him fail to hit the high note. Just right. go. Right. Yep. And so I feel like he's guilty about that, but also, also a little bit guilty about how the whole thing with Lyanna played out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows. Listen, psst. He caused this. He caused this whole thing by not being by not being direct and asking for her hand or doing something legitimate. He just stole her. I mean, look, maybe she came willingly. I'm not saying that, but like it was very, very suspect the way this whole thing played out. Yep. 
whether whether Wyatta agreed or not, it was suspect. And I think he has guilt about this. Mm-hmm. And so I think he would have just immediately kind of instead of been instead of being vindictive, which we usually see, you're gonna give me your land and you're gonna give me your land and you're gonna give me your land and I'm gonna put a lord on your land and just to watch you and send me hostages, things. they're gonna remain yeah. at the capital. Instead yeah. of all these things, mm-hmm. he's just been like bros. Look, bros. Look. Totally sorry about what happened. I'm gonna make all this right. I'm gonna make like, it good. And look. you don't gotta worry about a thing at all. He's pa- he's know, passing around blunts at the parlor. I'm Michelangelo. <laughs> the voice that I use for Michelangelo in Ninja Troll when I play with my kids. It's gonna be fine. Just let me take care of it. Yeah. Okay. I think I think he really feels responsible a little bit for everything that happened honestly i feel that or or i warned you matt these were coming or he's an arrogant targaryen and he doesn't care shit about anything yes and maybe he's just like just deal with it bitches because i'm in power but and i I get that no finish your thought no i've been talking for a long time well we're kind of going on my thing right now, so I, I want you to be able to talk. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll just say, I, I, I don't think that's really who Rhaegar is. I think he'd right. be more of the type that would say, like, dude, I ha- I was distracted. I'm, I'm a very focused individual, and I had this thing going on, and I really liked your sister, and she liked me, and we had this whole thing to try to save the kingdom. I'm sorry, that I was really bad at managing the project, but the result is right here. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. Yeah, we're here now. And yeah. I think that's where he w- would go is like, listen, we have a common enemy. My dad doesn't trust me. He actually, my dad wants me dead. And there's reason to think that Ares wanted Rick. He, Wait, he's he, the common enemy Ares? Ares? Yes. Or is it something else? Well, it's the others, but I think he has to sell the Ares thing before okay. he sells the others. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like they're out Let there on the battlefield right now. Let me sell you the car before right I sell you the insurance. <laughs> for sure, for sure. He needs to get these guys on his side. And yep. minimal bloodshed, and all of a sudden, he's got allies. He's got he's got guys that aren't conniving behind his back. He's got men that he's had a conversation with and come to an understanding with. And I think that would be, I think he would recognize the value in that. Maybe I'm giving Rhaegar too much credit. Maybe he is the arrogant Targaryen that you mentioned. Um, but I, lots I, of them. for sure, we've read all about them recently. Uh, Look at our previous episodes on Fire oh, and Blood. Gosh. <laughs> that was a Sorry. good time, but I'm glad it's over. <laughs> I love Fire and Blood. Keep going. You're killing so, it. Keep going. I think they'd come to an agreement. Plan is set. I think that plan, so here's where I'm what ifing. Rhaegar returns to King Landing with some of his victorious forces to be like, Dad, we won. And the rest would remain in the field under the guise of pursuing Eddard and John Aaron. Like, my guys are just mopping up the rest of the rebels. Everything's good. Um, but there he would kind of set the stage for his uh, <laughs> the, the transition of power from Ares to him. We would call it a coup. Uh, he there he would be able to if he was in the capital the reason I think he needs to return to the capital is he needs to determine who he can trust who he needs to get out of there and honestly at this point Ares doesn't have a lot of friends he really doesn't um, 
I think uh, sub-bullet point, Jamie Lannister would play an important role. Remember, Rhaegar has that conversation with him before he departs for the Trident. I've got the quote somewhere in my notes here. Do you have it close at hand? Oh, oh no, I, I don't have it. I don't have it at hand. I have it, I mean, paraphrased in my mind. Oh, it's in here. Which somewhere. is, when I return, changes are coming. Yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot. You know, right. it's, it's that kind of thing. Yep. It, it, it gives the impression, just to fill the space until you find the quote, the quote gives the impression that Rhaegar knows everyone is upset. Mm-hmm. And he knows that changes are needed. And he knows that he needs to take action to, I don't know if he's saying seize the throne exactly, but he definitely means that he needs to effect change in the kingdom. For yeah, sure. he, he talks about calling a council. Yep. And he specifically brings that out, and, uh, and and this says changes are coming. So I think uh, Rhaegar would uh, has a has a role for Jamie to play, and I think that would be to to be that Rhaegar's envoy to Tywin, his father, to convince the Lord of Casterly Rock of the benefits of Rhaegar being in power. Which Tywin already hates Ares, anyways. So, does right, um, but I, I, why not send Jamie to do that? So then, Eddard and Jon's forces, in league with the rest of Rhaegar's troops that he left out in the field, would show up by surprise at King's Landing as if to assault the capital. Rhaegar, with the other half of his troops, is already in the capital. And then they can just take the city and the Red Keep from within. And I think there would be very little bloodshed if he had enough men. Because all he's got to deal with are the gold cloaks, basically. What 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 in this in this timeline are you saying Tywin's group is doing exactly? Uh, probably marching to the capital. Marching through to or through? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Maybe he waits until they're very close, so they would be basically outside the gates as well with Eddard and Jon's forces. So he's like approaching King's Landing and he looks at the banners that are approaching at the same time he is. And he's like, oh, Rhaegar won. I'll do this. Well, he's already sent Jamie out to talk to Tywin. Eris has. No, Rhaegar has. Oh, Rhaegar, from... Rhaegar, when he oh, you gets think back Rhaegar to the got capital, there first? Yes, Rhaegar's going to return. Because in the regular timeline, though, Tywin gets there first. Yes. Be- before Robert. Before I mean, Robert does. Maybe Ray Heron get there faster. I, I, I don't know why. They're the same place. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're army things or whatever. But, yeah. And I think Rhaegar would have to get Jamie out to Tywin to be like, hey, Dad, before you get to the doors, this is what's going on. You cool with this. I Let's see. do this. Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. The wild card is Ares. He's beyond, of course, he's beyond trusting anyone, especially his son. Here's what I think. Ares is set on blowing up the city no matter what. Mm. I think he's so excited about it. The glimpses we get from Jamie is he's just like itching for this fire thing. He's, he's fire horny for sure. Yeah. So as Rhaegar returns victorious, Ares Word is... Of the day. Fire horny. Forney. I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare that. Forney. Uh, as Rhaegar returns victorious, Ares is convinced that his son is coming for his crown, which in this case would be true. He actually is, and orders Rossart to light the city up. 
in this case, oh, the Jamie couldn't have been the envoy. Jamie was, okay, I'm rethinking this now. Jamie hasn't left the capital. In this story, he's still in this, he's still in the capital. Okay. He, has. he hasn't left yet. Yep. Jamie, the only other person aware of the plot, is as far as we know, Jamie was the only guy that knew about the wildfire plot, other than Rossart and Ares yep. and maybe a couple other yep. other Paris Ares mentioned it to Jamie. Yep. Two other pyromancers. Yeah, um, or mentioned it in his in his company. presence. Yeah. Yep. Because Jamie yep. was the only Kingsguard with him. Yep. <clears throat> So Jamie, the only other person who's aware of the plot, he's got the same destiny in both timelines, Scad. He still kills Ares and mm-hmm. Rossart before they can blow up the city. That's my what-if theory for this, this timeline. And uh, he's able to keep the killing quiet until kind of everyone arrives at the city. Here's my problem with the whole thing. I feel, I feel like they would have known Rhaegar 1 ahead of uh, ahead of Rhaegar advancing mm-hmm. to the city. Yeah. I feel like they would have known mm-hmm. and everyone would have just been like breathing a sigh of relief. And that's where I think, I, I think everyone except Ares. I think Ares is so paranoid. He at this is point. very paranoid. Yes. Well, he also fears Rhaegar. You yep. know that. So he might not be that relieved that Rhaegar won. Oh Jesus. Now we got this guy to deal with. I think he's, I think he'd want to do it anyways. And, and then Jamie would dispatch him. Then Rhaegar gets to the capital with everyone else, and upon meeting with Jamie, is mortified to hear of his father's wildfire plot, but also relieved. <laughs> the work of yeah. deposing the king is already done. Yeah. And I was trying to think through like different things that Rhaegar what could have been going through Rhaegar's mind of what he would do to Ares. Would he execute him? Would he try to exile him? Like how would that actually happen? The transition of power. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, but I don't have to worry about it because Jamie killed him. <laughs> and well, then this, they... this is going to be awkward for the rest of this episode because my assumption is that Aeris just let Rhaegar in and they gave each other a hug and Jamie didn't kill and him. And all is well. And all is reasonably well. And that Jamie just remains a. Uh, uh, a king's guard bro for the rest of his life yeah this is and totally does nothing different. other than bang seriously occasionally when she comes into town yeah this is where it gets fun man yeah it's where it gets divergent <laughs> and fun for sure yeah uh, so yep. just keep going keep going though i don't want to you like interrupt, you like, your, interrupt your swing yeah, yeah, yeah go you for done it. with this because here's where it gets fun taking a page out of magor's book yes magor the cruel they strategically place Ares's corpse on the Iron Throne to appear that he had been taken by the Iron Throne. It's, it's just a little on the nose. I know it's 200 years later, but it's a little on the nose. Here's what I think, though. I agree with you, but few, I think Ares is hated enough that few are outwardly even going to question the yeah, story. Gives a shit, man. Right. He's gone. Yep. That's what yep. I think. He has nobody that's loyal to him. There are people that are loyal to the crown, but no one is loyal to Ares. Yeah. There's a, there's a line in Major League, the baseball movie, Ooh. where they're watching a, a, a home run ball, and they say, no, 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 too high, too high, too high. And then it goes, of course, over the fence, and he says, too high, too high? What do you mean, too hard, right? No, Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Right. Too high, too high. No, just yeah. Who yeah. cares? Keep going. <clears throat> okay. So 
Eddard, John, Hoster, everyone's issued pardons. I thought maybe Rhaegar in, in having to like keep up this guise of like we beat the rebels would maybe have to like appear that he's a little vindictive, like you said. Like maybe he's got to have him send some hostages to King's Landing. But then the other side of me thinks, would he even care? Would he even try to hide it at this point? Like, who does he have to answer to, really? Does he even try to hide that he was in league with Eddard and John and Hoster after the Trident? Well, I mean, your 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 whole story implies he's he's in league with them. I don't actually think he needs to be in league with them for this whole thing to work. Well, they need to come to some sort of agreement. He'd need to be just like, dude, cool your jets, go home. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's all. That's all yeah. he needs to do. They with don't it, need to like to, plot. To be honest, stuff. yeah. He can just take his army back, and that's enough to take King's Landing or, or yeah. to force a change if he wanted to do that. I'm not. I'm not even sure he wants to do that. If I'm honest, I, I go into that in the next section for what I believe. I, I feel like maybe he'd be fine. Just he wants change. Yes, he told that to Jamie, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure he's so enamored of being on the throne before he figures out all the things that he actually wants to accomplish to do it right now. I'm not sure he doesn't let Arius rule on the throne for a bit. Oh, I think he wants him gone, man. I think but... he wants him gone, too. I just don't know that he wants him gone today. Mm. Interesting. So you so... think let him continue to rule while Rhaegar continues his prince that was promised type stuff. Yes. I think, I, th- I think Rhaegar, I think Rhaegar feels, look, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'd try to get rid, rid of him immediately, but the way he phrases it to Jamie, it's like, no conversations will happen. We're going to figure this out. It's when not like, I get back. Yeah. It's, but it's not like I'm going to kill him when I get back. Yeah. I am the dark Knight. Yeah. I will. <laughs> dark Knight doesn't kill. Dark Knight doesn't kill. I will go through the shadows and <laughs> stalk him with my, Beyblades. What? Yeah, my kids into play Beyblades. Uh, so, uh, all I'm saying really is, maybe he's more interested in just getting things stable, ending the conflict, learning what he needs to learn, getting Aegon and his new son John, who was born with or without. We'll get to that birth complications, and just getting stable for a minute mm-hmm. before he deposes Rhaegar. Because you know what? There's Lots of ways to depose Targaryens. Poison and falling out of windows have worked lots of times. Yeah, I thought of a Tears of Lease type situation. Yeah. He, what's what's his rush, really? I mean, I, I think the, the rush would be that there wouldn't be stability, though. As long as Ares is on the throne, there's not stability. Yeah, no, that's true. That That's true. And the realm is aching for change. I, I write somewhere in my notes, it's roiling for change. Mm-hmm. They want nice something else to happen. But... We just had a rebellion. Everyone's like, oh, wait, let's assess. He's got a few years to figure out how to make this change. Nobody's going to rise up in rebellion like tomorrow. Hopefully. Except They're going to be like, oh, shit. They crushed that one. Let's wait yep. and see. You know? Yep. And and I feel like he might just give Eris a year or two. And then Maybe. poison him. Maybe. Or throw him out a window. Right. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, all of this is is maybe. I've said some stuff that's way more ridiculous than you saying that, so I'll give you a maybe on that. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, really. No, it doesn't. In the end, the result is the same. Rhaegar is in charge. Right. No, nobody believe 
no nobody really believes Eris is gonna remain in charge. That's I mean, we believe Rhaegar at his word, for whatever reason, that he is trying to affect change and that Ayers is not gonna remain the king. I believe him when he said that, when we get it from Jamie's point of view. And there's no reason to not believe it really. So we'll see. Right? We'll see. Well, we won't see, actually. But, but. <laughs> in the immediate, though, before before we move to intermediate ramifications, which is the next section, does Lyanna live? Uh, that's a good question. Because, who knows, could she have survived if there wasn't all that stuff going on down below her? Wait, below, do you mean in her, or do you mean, wait, what? <laughs> it seems that she's dying even as the battle is happening between Eddard Seven and the Kingsguard. Well, I mean, she, as the battle's, oh, sorry, I thought you meant at the trial. At the little yeah. fight, not the battle. This is the little, uh, the little fight. Yeah, no, I feel like that's coincidence more than anything, right? Right. But, yeah. So if there wasn't a fight, and there wasn't all that, and she could have gotten maybe the proper care that she needed. Yeah. Uh, the, but she's not going to get that e- either way, right? We don't know, right? Because isn't there like well, some thought that maybe she had, you know, at least someone there besides the Kingsguard to help take care of her and help with the birth of the child and stuff like that? I feel like it's mentioned she has like a couple people there. Right, yeah. But I mean, they're not medical professionals, Matt. It's, it's as far as you know, like, there's no maester oh, there. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah, you're bleeding from this thing, and I can do that by giving you this drug. Well, I don't I, know I if there's, like, like a, a, a equivalent of, like, a midwife there. I don't, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Westeros' version of a midwife, maybe, mm-hmm. but not the medically certified midwife that we're accustomed to. And that if there Here's were a, complications, I, they'd be like, oh, I know how to handle this. Nah, yeah, I agree with I you. I think Lyanna probably dies on it. I do, too. George uses death all the time during childbirth. It's just as a way to advance plot. And I think that's what he did here, just to make John, you know, Eddard's instead of Lyanna's. And, you know, lots of people die in childbirth. It's not a unique thing. But it's possible, it's possible from, I think, where you were headed, that, you know, the combination of fear for her unborn child's life because Robert might kill that unborn child. The grief of losing the love of her life. We assume Rhaegar, that she loved him. Uh, She lost her father. She lost her elder brother, all in the space of a few months. Plus, you know, the stress of what her life would be like going forward with having to deal with my favorite Triple B as her husband. Uh, Sounds terrible. (laughs) That's terrible. So, you know... Is that Maybe. just Moira shit? What? You just did? Is that just Moira shit who you just yeah. did? Yeah, it was, cl- it was It was. my effort. The baby. What, did it hit home? Yeah, well, I got it, I got it. Uh, but it's possible all that stress caused the death. I don't really, I don't, I don't know that I, don't, I believe I don't it. Quite, really. I don't quite buy it either. Yeah, me neither. Let, yeah, me, me, let neither. me take just a little step back, though. Take it. And ask you this question. You mentioned Rhaegar being the love of her life here's what came to my mind did Rhaegar love and I wrote that in capital letters L-O-V-E capitalized Liana or 
Was oh, she Liana si- or Liana? Liana. Yeah. Okay. Or was she? <laughs> thanks for that, buddy. Yeah. Or was to. or was she simply the missing half that he needed to fulfill the prophecy? In other words, was there real love between the two of them? Or was this more of like a, we got to do this thing? We assume that they were in love, but do we know for sure? <laughs> uh, with respect to Rhaegar and Lyanna, we know precious little. I mean, I would defer to other minds in the fandom to look a little bit closer than we have. But in general, I'd say we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know almost anything about the relationship. We Romantics assume that they were in love and they were soulmates and they were the best for each other and get out of the fucking way, Elia. Uh, you know, yeah, I think the only way... of polyamory are saying, great, Elia will join them. Uh, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, I think there are all sorts of possibilities here. Uh, for us, I think we have to assume without much more information that he loved her. But he also saw an opportunity to create the third head of the dragon. Right. And, and it really only matters if, if she survives. Because if she survives and they really are in love, then what? Right? With with Ilya and everything. Well, then he's Megor again. Um, you know, but, uh, I, you know, is Megor the last one that had multiple wives? I don't remember now. You have to go through the, through the, through the list. Well, you've got um, Aegon for... <clears throat> but, oh yeah well, well they were more mistresses. like paramours and mistresses life, yeah yeah they were more just paramours yeah but yeah does he put aside Aaliyah does he marry Lyanna in addition to Aaliyah um I feel like so <laughs> we're way off the rails I have nothing in my notes about this but I feel like Rhaegar I've got tons in my notes about that. <laughs> this Do is you? why it's okay. so fun this is I feel like so Rhaegar because I'm going with Rhaegar <laughs> You know, because that's my thing. I feel like Rhaegar uh, had had some sort of sense of destiny, maybe more than any Targaryen since Aegon the First. Sure. Uh, that he wanted to accomplish something, and that maybe he felt like having two wives was maybe the right thing to do, based on what he saw in history. It's an Aegon thing. Yeah, because I don't feel like he would. He doesn't have it in him to kill Aaliyah or to like remove her to pave the way for Lyanna. I mean, no fucking way. Right. No. Yeah. No, there's no, that's, he's not killing his wife for this. No, Mm -hmm. he wants another wife to accomplish his goals. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know what, man? Uh, on one hand, I think he doesn't really have a problem with Aaliyah. She's a good woman. Uh, Barristan talks about how she was kind and she was witty. She was clever. Um, she seemed like a good person, Aaliyah did. Seemed like a great person. On the other hand, Rhaegar humiliated her, man, at Hall. We don't talk about that enough. How humiliated Aaliyah must have been at Harry. Imagine how she must have felt. Yeah, no, terrible. But I think in front of I, I'm the not excusing any of that. I'm realm. not going to short circuit the conversation, but the conversation lives and dies with the fact that he knew he needed something else. Yeah, I, I and you said something. I don't remember exactly the sentence you said earlier, but you said something before about he saw an opportunity to get something from the north. Now, those were definitely not. 
Prince. But that's you were getting at something like he needed a northern bride or a northern yeah. a northern yeah. spirit to complete this prophecy. I think he loved Elia. I don't think he was in any way depressed with Elia. He had two children by her. He loved her. I think I think their relationship was good. I don't know. It was good. To the compromise. But he knew he needed, based on what he had seen, something else to complete the prophecy. Yep. A- absolutely. But again, does he have to... Hum- I realize we're so off topic, so we'll switch it back. Uh, yeah. Humiliation at Hall, leaving her in the clutches of his crazy father for a year while he's off at the Tower of Joy with his two kids or he, she's there with her two kids and crazy grandpa. Uh, yeah, I think I also think, a war going on while he's yeah. off there and he's uh, not helping all by himself. Yeah. And she's stuck there with freaking Aries of all people. Maybe he loves her, but, and Aaliyah's kind and clever and, and I don't want to discount that and, and so sweet, but she can't be super fond of Rhaegar anymore. I wouldn't be. Uh, man, that's tough. I, I mean, I wouldn't have come to that defense if you hadn't attacked so harshly. You know, it's one of those things like, like I, I wouldn't want to defend Rhaegar if I'm he put, hadn't been attacked. I'm uh, putting myself in Aaliyah's shoes here and how I would feel. She might be in league with all of it. She you might be. When, she might be. When, when, when Aegon was born, Rhaegar said he is the prince that was promised. At least according to the House of the Undying Prophecy. Yes, according to the House of the Undying Prophecy. His is a song of ice and fire. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and and he said that directly to her in the moment, to Mm -hmm. Elia. She was there according to the Undying Prophecy. uh, House of the Undying Prophecy. Yep. Um, And so that indicates to me that Rhaegar was, they were into this together. They They were both ghost hunters. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a singular thing. Like he involved her in all of this. Mm-hmm. I think I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but I would ask how, how would we feel if we were Aaliyah and all of a sudden Rhaegar, who said before that Aegon is the guy is now coming and saying, actually, dear, we need three, your son, the son that we have together and who that I previously said was the prince that was promised your son. He's actually not it. I need another. Well, I'm not sure he would have, um, yeah, not great, but I'm not sure he would have presented it that way. I, I think sure. he presented it saying, crass, you need but... three, three heads of the dragon. Mm-hmm. And, and But I can't have it with you. I got to go find another lady. No, yeah, we need some sort of ice in this song. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt and she would understand, but I wouldn't blame Man, her if, well, she or if she was upset yeah. or resentful. With very little evidence, I feel like Elia is maybe. Uh, hmm. No, I mean I'm gonna regret saying it. I feel like Elia is maybe the perfect character, or the perfect person in the Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yeah, she's a dutiful wife. She she does what she's meant to do, uh, but she also stands up for the rights of her children, tries to protect them, um, but also understands when her husband says hey i need to make a circus she's like okay i guess make a circus because yeah, you at, say it's going to combat the evil in the world at my expense yeah yep at, at, at my expense and my humiliation 
I'm just hashtag oh. Elliot is the best of us. Yeah. You know? I'm I'm coming down real hard on Rhaegar for for his husbanding there. He's an a hole. Look, yeah. I mean Rhaegar's not a great dude, but I feel like he's driven by something, and whether or not he's right determines whether or not he's a good dude or not. Yeah, it sucks, but that's the way it is. <sighs> I'm sorry for getting us onto this Aaliyah thing, but why? It was, it was, was a great conversation. That's what this whole thing is about. Do we uh do we what just continue? Time is it? Is it it's, two yet? It's eleven oh two, buddy. Do we just keep talking about Jon Snow then and, and all of this of what happens with John? Or oh, did you have an, another point um, you wanted to cover? I'm honestly not looking really at our loose timeline. I'm I haven't looked at my, at my notes. notes at all. Uh okay, so I have things about Lyanna dying anyway. I think she would. Um, um so, well, the interesting thing, I guess, is that if you assume that the maskers, the Lannister maskers, don't happen, Aegon, Aegon is actually the heir, and mm-hmm. Jon is the spare. Yep. Rhaenys is the ignored female that Westeros loves to hate. Mm-hmm. Daenerys and Viserys are uh, siblings to a future king, or or the current king, if you believe Matt's theory of immediately deposing uh heirs yep um so they're you know they're brothers and sisters to the court um i mean i guess that's all i have it, it it's more a matter of when does it happen i mean i i guess you just have to say in the reasonably immediate future Rhaegar is going to take control and he's going to do that because he has a vision for protecting the realm, protecting himself, you know, him and his family, his rule. And it involves this prophecy of the three heads of the dragon. Right? Yep. And beyond that, I don't know that much else matters. Mm-hmm. No? Uh, yeah, probably not. I, not I wonder... in the immediate. I wonder, so we've got the three heads of the dragon thing. Yeah. But I wonder if if Rhaegar kind of saw this as, okay, I've got two boys here, and both are going to perform two very important functions. Aegon is going to be the king of the seven kingdoms. The, king of the, the, the seven kingdoms need a king. He's Targaryen. He's legitimate. <laughs> He's it. Jon over here is my prince that was promised. I need him to fight the others. So you're, Oh my God. I'm jump. I'm jumping ahead. I think I'm, I'm trying to foresee where you're going. You're implying he's actually going to send that child North to fulfill John's role that he fulfills anyway, to be the defender of the wall. Is that what you're saying? Or am I, I've got, I've got two ideas. One is, I, just go with the one that agrees with me. <laughs> I I wonder if if Rhaegar would be okay parading John back to King's Landing with him after the Ooh. Tower of Joy and being like, this is my son. Like, would he be well received? First of all, you've got the Aaliyah thing, and we can talk more about that if we want to. Um, how would she be with all of this? 
how would so many what ifs here, man. The it's realm crazy. be with this, right? We're gonna it, be talking it until three a.m. <laughs> like, I wonder if Rhaegar wouldn't try to conceal John's identity. Maybe it's like a they found this abandoned child, and Rhaegar or the three Kingsguard went. Dane and Hightower found this child, and they like they took mercy on it, so they brought it back to King's Landing to be raised at court. So and, I think what you're saying is. They recover the baby at the Tower of Joy. They bring it back. Leanna's dead. Eddard is there as a, uh, a captive of war to to discuss future strategy. And Rhaegar pulls Eddard into the side room. And he said, This kid here. Promise me, Ned. Yep. Promise me, Ned. That you won't <laughs> tell who this child is. Yeah. Promise me, Ned. Kind of, sort of. To fulfill the same destiny that Lyanna had. So this That's what is you're saying? sort of. That's okay. one of the ideas is that he then keeps him at court and he's he's not acknowledged him as his son, but he's still making sure he receives proper training, a proper education, all of this stuff. Or option B is he does give him to Eddard to raise at Winterfell. And Eddard, just like in the main story, does return to Winterfell with Jon Snow. However, now that he doesn't need to hide him from Robert Baratheon, maybe there's not those promise me Ned pressures. And also he doesn't have to hide John's parentage from Catelyn. Man, that's all interesting. My, my alternative, the, the, the future I envisioned was just that Rhaegar raised John at mm-hmm. court as his own. And that's option C. And didn't apologize at all for yep. his relationship. Yep. Lyanna and said we were married and he's legitimate mm-hmm. and he's my son and he's third in line second in line I actually I actually do have a third bullet point that says unless Rhaegar is like screw it <laughs> I mean I could see it I, I could totally see him saying that he's if we if we look at Rhaegar's motivations and we don't know them because we don't know Rhaegar and this whole episode is about fucking Rhaegar and I'm so pissed about that but we don't know him we don't know what he was, what he really knew, and I'm going to get into that later. We don't know what he knew. We don't know what he was really about. But my sense is that he was a noble dude trying to do the right thing, and that everything after the Trident is about combating the others. And so he's going to keep John close. He's going to keep Aegon close, and the three of them are going to be heads of the dragon with no dragons to ride because there are no eggs unless right. we get them somehow. Was, unless we get him another we'll talk way. about later yeah but you know that 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 he's gonna keep them close yeah yeah and that's a that's a perfectly uh good option too i wonder how accepting Aaliyah would be we've already talked about that though you think there's a possibility the that dornish if they, are all they talked, in on bastards man and, and but the dornish are also fiercely protective of their people and like I think they might even the Dorn in general would be upset that John's returned with this bastard child to um, challenge the legitimacy of Aegon, their child, Dorn's child, right? Who's half Dornish, and that could cause problems. But how? But how is he challenging legitimate legitimacy? He's just he's a, a second child. He's a threat to Aegon, though. Well, he is. How? He's the second child. Because he's another son. 
And then in my mind, if I'm putting myself in a Dornishman's position, even Aaliyah's position, it's like he doesn't love our Aaliyah anymore. He went off with this Lyanna lady, made a new kid. Why wasn't he just happy with the kids he had? Why did he have to run off and have another one with someone else? What's going to happen to Aegon now? If he went off and felt he had to have this other kid with someone, that kid's going to challenge us one day. It's going to be another Blackfire Rebellion. I mean, maybe. Maybe they feel that way. I mean, maybe he has a conversation with them and explains. He'd have to. I mean... Yeah, it, they no, can't. They right. can't look at that and go and and not wonder like what's going on here. What's going to happen? And that's another reason why I think Rhaegar would feel like he'd have to protect John. Uh, protect him through secrecy. You mean? Yeah, protect his identity. Maybe I don't know, man. I I feel like the Dornish are more are more reggae than that, man. I don't know, man. We saw what Oberyn did when. When his sister got killed, dude. Like nobody's talking about killing. They're just they're they're Ober, little. Oberyn's got nine illegitimate children. But they're also very. You don't loyal think he's to gonna? He don't think he's gonna forgive Rhaegar one. They're also pretty With, loyal in, to their in own. In which though. he has a plan for that child to, you know, like be one of the three heads for a prophecy. And if they had that conversation, and Oberyn <laughs> understood that, then maybe it turns out differently. But we also see that they're pretty darn loyal to their own. They are. For, for sure. They're Oberyn is very loyal for sure to El well, to his sister Elia, for sure. But I mean, it took them sixteen years to get Oberyn into the capital to try to exact revenge. Yeah, they're very careful. They're are careful. they get are they gonna <laughs> not have a conversation for sixteen years in which they say Hey man, why did you do this? He's like, oh look, it's a prophecy. I had to. I would hope they would. I would too. Okay, so that's one point where we another point where we diverge. We diverge a bit. I think I think it would be very difficult for Elia and Dorn to accept John being around with his identity being known. More or less difficult than Cap. Uh, about the same, but on a higher scale. <laughs> because here's here's my point. Catelyn is uh, Catelyn's great. I love her. I don't want the fan backlash for hating Catelyn. I love Catelyn, uh, but she does not have the Dornish values for bastards. Nope. And I think Elia does. And she'd say, "Oh, a bastard child. Bring him in." I would hope so. And her personality as Barristan Selmy describes her which as far as I could find and I comb through it pretty well the really the only lines that we get about Elia's personality in the main series is what he says about her being kind and clever and about as good a person as you can find so hopefully that would mean something and we know she was gentle good gracious when, when Aegon was born he brought up the prophecy right he is the yes. prince that was promised. His is Song of Ice and Fire. In the future, I think it's likely he brought up, babe, hey, 
we need another one. And you there can't can be only have kids three. because you know she almost died delivering. She's Aegon. frail. She's frail. So hopefully and she work. doesn't have the northern blood either, and, and that might be necessary. And if the House of the Undying thing is a true look into the past, yes, true. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, you're right. I assume they are. I, I have to, otherwise, I go insane. Otherwise, we go crazy. If I yeah. Don't assume they are. Anyways, so we've talked about John. What we think could happen to him. I think. Uh, are we to intermediate ramifications? Oh uh, well, let me scroll up to intermediate ramifications. Oh, you're you're all the way down. That's my my notes are so jumbled, dude. I dude, all because all of this stuff snakes through. Yeah, yeah. Um, P.S. I think uh, P.S. Just as we go out of immediate, I think Tywin Lannister is named Hand of the King as an olive branch to House Lannister. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, I think that's, all I got. That's interesting. Yeah. I think he's going to send Eddard. I'm not sure right, he would have, right, but he might have. I think he's going to send Eddard up north and be like, okay, Eddard, this is happening. I've got your back, man. We're going to keep communicating on all this. What's happening? The stuff with the others up north. Oh. I need so you to you're be... assuming he knows things. I, I think so. I think he and Amon have, have figured some stuff out. Or it'll be like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I've been studying with Amon. And uh, I want you to be in touch with him and J.R. Mormont. And let's keep the conversation going. Be vigilant. Okay. And and then I think he, he names, he's like, man, Lannister still feels slighted by House Targaryen because of the way Ares treated him. So I'm going to make Tywin Hand of the King just to smooth that stuff over. And uh, he's capable. He knows how to do his job. He does a good job. And then I get House Lannister back on my side because I can't marry Cersei to get House Lannister back on my side. So, uh, I, I kind of wonder if he gives I a bring shit Tywin about in. House Lannister. I think he's going to understand that he still needs to play these politics games with the great houses. Yeah, I know he does, but he's already got Dorne. If he just aligns with the Reach, he's fine. As long as, he's, as, as long as he's sufficiently intimidated the the Riverlands and the North and the Vale, mm-hmm. you know? Whew. I, I hear what you're saying. I also think Lannister wields a ton of influence, too, with their money and stuff. Yeah, I think the Lannisters suck. I do, too. Yeah. I I get it. I just, I, I wonder... I've got all sorts of notes of like potential, yeah, I've lost of like too. potential marriages and stuff. We've, we've got a whole section on the Lannisters next, oh, which man. I have a lot of notes on. Okay, should we should we should we call that section and move on to intermediate ramifications? You bet, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Cal. So we're starting on the next section in intermediate ramifications. This is meant to cover all of the years between. The end of the war and the beginning of the main series, A Song of Ice and Fire. But the general summary for me, though, is that Robert's rebellion spurred most of these plots, I mean, really directly. So it's easy to just say, yeah, they would have just been peaceful and content because none of this ever happened. But the reality is that these people are egotistical, power-grasping assholes. They all wanted to get more. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, does anyone really believe Balin Greyjoy is just going to sit still up there? Tywin Lannister? Content to be distant in the pecking order for the next 15 years? House Tyrell is going to do nothing with their growing power? All of all the strength they've built? Littlefinger? Going to get a job? And not going to Littlefinger? I mean, I doubt it, right? So, this continent, its it's been roiling, as I said before, to unseat the dragons for a long, long time. Uh, Robert's Rebellion was a shake-up that I think released a lot of attention and uneasiness in Westeros, but like a forest fire resetting a forest, initiating long-term regrowth, if that doesn't happen, you know, somebody's going to grab an apple from that tree. Somebody's going to pick one and take a bite. So, you know, take all these takes that Matt and I are about to give you with a grain of salt a little bit. <laughs> because we aren't George. Take this and whole episode with a grain The whole episode, perhaps, <laughs> with a grain of salt. But we aren't George, but we're filling this space with what we think might happen. Mm-hmm. But, man, who knows what Balon Greyjoy or Tywin Lannister or somebody across the narrow sea might do. We don't know for sure. But we're doing our best. That's all I got to say. We sure are. I had fun playing the uh, the matching game with this section of trying to figure out like how marriage alliances and stuff would have been yeah. shaken up. With well, all of this, spe- I didn't spend much time on that. I, mean, I, I had so much fun with this. <laughs> People are gonna love my choice for Cersei. Oh, oh! Can I guess? Guess. <laughs> it's so great! It's so great! Just pick of like the worst choice you could pick in terms of them actually like getting along with each other. Oh, perhaps uh, Balon Greyjoy's oldest son. Ooh, I didn't do that, no. Because that would have been pretty bad. Okay, what what is it? So, like Or do I said, you want to save it? Do you want to save it? No, I got it right here. Okay. So, first of all, Tywin, I said Tywin's named Hand of the King, because I think Rhaegar still feels, I understand what you're saying, but I think he still feel like he needs to play that political game yeah. and keep as many people close to him as he can. So, he's going to name him Hand of the King. Tywin, however, he's got Jamie who can't marry anybody now. Yeah, you got yep. Tyrion, that's not going to happen. So yep. he's got to make the right match for Cersei. Yeah. It's got to be a high lord, I think. It's got to be one of the great lords of the seven, one of the great houses, I should say. One of the great houses of the I'm seven. I'm crossing kingdom. my fingers, my double crosses right now. Please say hi, Tyler. Please say hi, Tyler. Please oh, say hi, Tyler. That actually would be good. I think there's, a, there's someone. Of age there, isn't there? Yeah. Well, well I mean, there has to be. They have 20 children. Yeah, you know what? Oh, that might be, that might make more sense. But here's here's what I put. Stannis. No. <laughs> yeah, Stannis. Stormlands. Go, how Wasn't far would Stannis that go? Wasn't Stannis already in... married by the time this all happens? No, because remember on his wedding night, Robert. He was 18, you're right. Robert oh, right. banged the, his cousin in their wedding bed before the yeah, bedding. Yeah. It would be, they need to, 
it needs to keep House Baratheon in the kingdom and subdue the Stormlands. What Listen, better way than to make House Lannister? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I Cersei get married. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it. I would love it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, I hate it. I know. It's so great. So many people are going to hate it. And I'm going to just laugh in their faces because I love it. Stannis and Cersei together forever. Option B is my boy Willis Terrell. He's three years younger than Cersei. Option C is Oberyn Martell. Hightower one's a good idea, though. They have to have someone. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the House Tyrell, that would be a good one. Um, so having her marry Willis. Uh, and if you want to strengthen relationship with Dorne, maybe get her with uh, Oberyn. But... <laughs> I mean, Oberyn would be a fantastic choice. Wouldn't it? But Stannis is what Cersei deserves. <laughs> that's, 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 that was my favorite thing that I've come up with of this whole episode. I Listen, just revealed I, it to you right now. I've long suspected that you're more evil than I am, and you've just proven it, so... <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, this isn't matchmaking in terms of marriage, but I was thinking of Rhaegar's Kingsguard. Um, if Lewin Martell and Derry still fell at the Trident. Yeah, which they probably would have. I mean, all this action is happening simultaneously. Yeah, so you've still got Dane, you still got Hightower, you still got Went, you still got Selmy, you still got Jamie. Two spots open. I was, uh, throwing around some names. Maybe John Connington, Rhaegar's friend. Uh, is made a member of his king's guard maybe exiled or, already at that point no bring him back you know they're, oh, they're okay, good buddies okay, okay. Yeah. if Ares is dead if we're following my bring them all back being dead lynn corbray who slew lewin martell i don't know how well he'd be received by the other members of the king's guard it's like you killed one of our seven and now we're bringing you in yeah um they said uh jason malister was quite the warrior back in his day Indeed. so he, yep. he would have been a good choice. I even wondered, uh, we don't we don't know how good an actual fighter he was, but boy, could the guy take orders. Kevin Lannister. Oof. Uh... I, don't, I don't think he was already married at that point, but he may have been. I Actually, like, we don't know. But... I don't know, but I feel like there was something in there about him being a, a respectable fighter. I think, you know, I think that's a theme in A Song of Ice and Fire that they start bringing in Kingsbark, Kingsguard member, this members that are not really deserving of the post. Yeah, the Boris Blunts so, and so uh, Kevin would fit that mold. In my yeah, opinion. he follows orders. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyways, um, what what kind of things did I've, I'm going off on these little tangents of who marries who, and I got more of those too. But uh, what else do we want to talk about on this one? Well, you got you have your view of Tywin being kind of king. I, yeah. I kind of tend to think, well, listen, before before the rebellion, Tywin had disappeared into the West for a time. Not very long, to be honest. He was pouting a little bit, having been disrespected yep. by Eris. Like, um, well, I mean, lots of times, really. Just check the wiki if you want to read them. It's a reasonable volume. Um, but then he just kind of sat on his laurels during the war to see who would win. Yep. But 
uh, you know, it, it wasn't actually that long. Like he left in 281 after Eris made Jamie a King's Guard member. He's like, ah, okay, fine, fuck it, I'm out. 281. Mm-hmm. Right? And Harrenhal, that kicked off the rebellion was the very next year. So it yeah. wasn't like it's not like Tywin was just kind of hanging out for like a decade, you know, just like relaxing at the Lannister estate. All this happened in a very short timeline. A very short timeline. I, I I didn't remember that until I was prepping for this episode. And, you know, so what what does he do with Rhaegar winning? Like, I think he still marched, obviously. He didn't know who was going to win. He marched. But when Rhaegar wins, like, what does he do? I don't think Rhaegar wants anything to do with him. Rhaegar knows that, like, he has beef with his dad and especially in my theory wherein Rhaegar doesn't actually depose the king right away I don't think Tywin's involved at all he just kind of sits yep he could be like yep you continue to do you think he'd still keep him on as you know warden of the west and everything yeah, but probably just kinda, I don't think he wants to disrespect anybody just do your thing over there yeah, and just sit over there and do your thing but you I mean, retired of your own volition and uh that's that's it so this is maybe a little bit future but I don't think Tywin's gonna deal with that but the reality is Robert winning the war was like the best thing that could have happened for House Lannister, right? For sure. Oh, yeah. And they definitely capitalized on it. They totally capitalized on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie himself, I mean, he was a little bit disgusted by Aerys and what he was doing with his wife and everything. But Kingslayer? Eh, probably, I mean, in this case, he's probably not going to kill Aerys. He's going to just be like, oh, okay. Status quo, protect the king. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If Aerys isn't feeling threatened enough to burn down the city, then Jamie's just going to go, <laughs> okay, I'll protect him. And he's just going to have a distinguished career as a knight of the King's Guard. Right. with his sister occasionally, of course, because he can, because he cares about rules, but he just kind of remains a jock a hole for his whole life. Right? <laughs> I mean, unless, unless, okay, alternate history. Unless Tywin uses his insidious controls, his emotional, psychological controls, to create a situation in which Jamie does murder the king, right? Set Later, something up, yeah. Puppets he totally up. could, mm-hmm. right? He totally yeah. could do that. And what, what if alternate again? What if Eris out of the way? Cersei is maybe more tempting to Rhaegar? He seemed willing to take another wife with Lyanna. What's another? Maybe Rhaegar takes Cersei on and Jaime is just jealously watching the whole time. And then Jaime kills Rhaegar. (laughs) Well, maybe. I didn't go that far, but maybe. (laughs) Uh, So that's my House Lannister trip. Okay. And my House Lannister trip is... uh... Tywin, Hand of the King, Cersei marries Stannis. But then if that happened, who would get Casterly Rock? Would Stannis and Cersei get Casterly Rock? Or would Tywin give it to Tyrion? I don't know. Uh, I think he would still, just like in the normal series, hope Jamie comes to his senses. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't have any <laughs> 
have a whole section on Rhaegar versus Aerys. Yeah, I did my whole section on how I think things would happen with uh, Rhaegar immediately deposing Aerys with Jamie's help. Um, why don't you take this one? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of hinted at earlier, but mm-hmm. yeah, wait a little I bit, mean, let the realm stabilize. That that. Yeah, I mean, I imagine this is much like Megor and Jay Harris. People are eager for change. Mm-hmm. They're just loath to try to kind of do it themselves, right? So, I mean, look, no one loves Harris, right? Like, he's awful. So, everyone will just kind of look the other way. Yep. I and totally agree. And just kind of find a way to dispatch him. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, falling out a window eating a bad meal, having indigestion. These are all things that are possible. However, it is interesting to note that as awful as he is, Eris is very paranoid and kind of, frankly, great at kind of seeing the threats around him. Acting on that paranoia to well, defend himself. Yeah, he like, sees so many threats yeah. and he responds to all of them that he's right sometimes. Yep. Right. So, mm-hmm. what if he got to Rhaegar first? That could be fun. We don't want to explore that tonight, Kalasar. To be honest, it would be a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. I'm just gonna say I didn't I... ever say that. Let's move on. I don't have the strength for it, but it is an interesting option to consider. It's interesting because because Ares is not a he's not a tool. He's a smart, manipulative, and paranoid ruler, and he could figure out that Rhaegar was after him. What if what if he ordered his Kingsguard to kill Rhaegar? Do you next think episode? They could do, it? Not next do you think one. they could do it? Next Arthur episode. Dane was his best friend. Barristan Selmy had a huge crush on him. Like yeah, what did he? Okay, they I'm just saying they all the good things, all Ares, the good things that Barristan said about him. <laughs> they would have definitely just murdered Aris. For sure. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about Ned and his kids in the intermediate future? Yeah, I think that they just have a happy life together. Yeah, me too. I just this is like, the lighthearted sex. Like they, they Ned returns to the north. He's pardoned. Um, maybe he has a little baby Jon Snow with him, and maybe he could even be honest with Catelyn about that and be like, "Hey, this was Lyanna's kid. This is what's happening. We're gonna take care of him." She's like, "Great." But as terms of he and Catelyn's kids, great life together. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I I kind of think the same. I, I think he goes back home. Maybe he's got. A, he's not a prideful man, really, Edward. Mm-hmm. But he gets kicked in the teeth a little bit after losing, and that's all. And yeah. he goes back, and and Rob, Rob, uh, Rob is waiting for him. And... Now, go ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say we've got some. Uh, he's he's a great lord, so he's probably gonna make some marriage matches. Yeah. And if we're keeping the southern ambitions thing alive and keeping options open mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, I had some potential ideas for Rob. Uh, so one you I think he's going to keep that going? Maybe, maybe he wants to keep that, you know, in his pocket. It's interesting. I, I, yeah, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. So here's just some ideas of 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 marriage possibilities. Just having some fun in this alternate universe. Um, one, Rainey's Targaryen. Mm. Marry mm. Rob to Rainey's. Uh, 
option two, Marjorie Tyrell. Would, would the Targaryens do that? I don't know. They love keeping their bloodlines pure. But in yeah. my story of Rhaegar just wanting to have those good relations with the North and everything, yeah. he might want to keep that relationship strong and seal it with a marriage. And that's a perfect possibility. The other possibility is Aegon to Sansa, maybe, when Sansa's older. Yeah. Uh, there would be yep. a bit of an age discrepancy there. Uh, just like R- Rob would be younger than Rhaenys by a couple <laughs> years. Um Another idea would be Marjorie Tyrell. Mm. Solidify something with the Reach. Yep. Um, yeah. But either way, like Rainies would have to come up north, right? Because Rob would mm. be the Lord of Winterfell. But... He would, yeah, unless they betrothed to a younger son. Right. And I, as much as I hate to uh, put Arya through this, Marry Arya to little Robert Aaron, man. Oh, jeez. That, that's going to earn me some more hate from this episode, <laughs> isn't it? Well, but unite unite the Vale in the North, man. Robert my, and Arya. My fate for Arya is covered in the future section in the end, but uh, it's worse than yours, maybe? We'll see. Ooh, okay. It's worse than yours, I think. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, so we're gonna talk about brand stuff event in the long term section. Long term. Okay, so let's not talk um, about him. Intermediate term is is Ned more attentive to the wall? There's no Greyjoy rebellion, probably, right? If there was, I'd imagine it ends the same way. You and I have speculated that. The Greyjoy Rebellion is what maybe caused Benjen to go to the Wall. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that before. Does Benjen still go to the Wall? I wrote that down too. Does Benjen still join the Night's Watch? Yeah. And if so, does the whole thing still continue with him getting lost in the North? Yep, all um, of it. It's weird, man. This is weird. So if... We've speculated that one of the reasons Benjen goes to the watch is, is for Team John, is to yep. be out there, um, helping to be vigilant, keeping mm-hmm. an eye on things, mm-hmm. yep. uh, to have a Stark up there. There's some sort of significance and meaning to having. But, but I think the there's Lords a of winter there. Very real possibility in this timeline that Ned knows nothing. Mm-hmm. About John. Unless, yeah, unless Rhaegar tells him. Yeah. Right. Rhaegar tells him. Yeah. Which he might, but mm-hmm. he might not. Right. Yep. So if not, Benjen's still there. <laughs> yep. He's still in Winterfell, or maybe he's. There's a marriage made for him or something. I did but... read a So Spake Martin earlier today. That mm. um, somebody uh, was a uh, Spanish site, uh, shy.com maybe. Um, but they asked specifically if uh, they would find out whether Ben, wh- why Benjen joined the Night's Watch. And he said, I, th- I think this was the answer, 
You will, but not today. Mm. Okay. So there is a reason that he joined it. It's not, yep. I mean, yep. Any re- anything is a reason, I guess. I stubbed my toe today, and so I did it. But um, I think there's something there, Matt. I feel like that that's more evidence than not evidence to our theory. Well, just, I mean, with all these other Starks dead, all of a sudden you've only got Eddard's the only one left, and Benjen joins the Watch? That just fucking weird. Yeah. Yep. Immediately. He didn't wait for Rob to be born, right? He just did it almost immediately, right? It says, uh, I yeah, I, I looked this up on the wiki to remind myself, and it said that he had joined the Night's Watch within a few months of Eddard's return north. So Okay, so Rob was born. Rob was but born. Like a foundling child. Yep. Yep. Uh, barely barely alive. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Where are we? Uh and then these kids we talked about. There's no Great Joy Rebellion at all for sure. Or maybe there would be any. Maybe there would be a, a Balon's, you know, he's he could still want to rebel and everything, and I think it would end the same. You've got Ray, except it would be Rhaegar joining Eddard to yeah. put it down. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that much changes if he does it or doesn't do it. If right. he didn't do it, it's more like a powder keg, right? Like, yeah, joining the powder keg to everyone else. Because, listen, this is a continent looking for change, and Balin's not the only one. Yep. Okay, uh, Dorn. What do you think about Dorn? I think I've mentioned it with Dorn. I think they go as Ilya goes. Yeah. Ilya. Yeah, I I kind of said the same thing in my notes. I think uh, with no murder of Ilya, there's no need for revenge, no need for a marriage pact, no no need for any of all this planning. Oberyn has a bit of a more boring life. It's interesting, actually, with Oberyn, all that cool stuff we know about him, still sorting and making his own company and forging chains at the citadel and everything all that stuff happened before he was even in 24 before mm-hmm. before Tore robert's this. rebellion yeah he had all that under his belt already yep so but after that he mostly stayed in dorn he uh he went to that tourney where he crippled willis he he uh yeah i know i know what hurts Matt. uh he was actually he was the one to sign the pact with the sea lord of bravos and and of course, that's not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. But but it's also it's kind of just so it's like yeah okay he's just in Dorn but you know it's it's hard to just imagine a man like Oberyn not doing something important in this time like now his sister is in King's Landing so he's gonna go visit them and he's gonna see things he doesn't like and maybe he takes a post there in some way. I don't know. It just, it just seems like he's probably going to go to King's Landing and be involved. Yep. He'll find another way to fill his time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. He'll find Besides a way to just fill his like time. the scorpion poison in his heart. Yep. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. What do you got through the veil? Anything? Uh, reach? I'd be interested to see what John Aaron's role in the kingdom is going forward. Does he Me just too. continue to be warden of the East? 
Uh, I think he would make a great member of, even if he wasn't Hand of the King, but of Rhaegar's small council. Um, but maybe he doesn't want that, really. Uh, I am intrigued by a marriage alliance between the Vale and the North. Um, Robert what, Denario. You mean besides the marriage to Lysa? The, the Lysa thing, I mean, it does kind of do a three-way connection between the North and the Riverlands. But... Well, he married Lysa during Robert's Rebellion to to cement that pact. Yeah, he those. So I have to assume it remains. Time, right? But well, he he and uh, Eddard were betrothed to the Tully girls, Tully girls, sisters. Same time. Yeah, yeah. The Tully women. So you got to assume because based on this episode, it's what if you know like a trident that marriage stuck mm-hmm. i think it would right so but that doesn't make it good mm-hmm. i mean he's an old man but by the time the novels roll around you know he's 80 basically when he's killed they the they do say he's quote-unquote robust for his age yep. so you know maybe he's in better shape than usual but in general, Lysa married a corpse, right? Yeah, which is too bad. Yeah, and probably Littlefinger still ascends. I mean, in this environment, in these 15 years, Littlefinger was, uh, I think it was 14 when Robert's Rebellion kicked off, maybe 15. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, he's 17, but he uses Lysa and her relationship with little with Littlefinger, or sorry, with uh, John Aaron to get a position in Goldtown where he makes his fortune. Yep. And I don't think it's unreasonable to assume the same thing happens. Nothing changes. Yeah, I would agree with that. He could still continue on. Um, another one who could share a similar fate to the actual timeline is Davos. Yeah, totally. Yeah. With you know, he's, I didn't even think about Davos, but yes, he, he still comes to stay, save Stannis. Um, obviously the whole siege thing ends up peacefully. Uh, I guess we'd assume that Stannis would bend the knee once Eddard's like, Hey, Stannis, we gave up. Like, <laughs> yeah, eventually he'd be like, hey man. Oh, I got your raven mail. Thanks, man. This is over. Uh, but you've yeah. been hungry for a week. Couldn't you have sent that a week ago? <laughs> but if Davos still makes those midnight smuggling runs, uh, yeah. you know, that could still end up the same. So. Totally. Yep. Um, I don't have much else, else for the veil in the reach. What do you think about uh, Varys? So he was brought in by King Ares. What don't Ares. I think about yeah. this? Uh, he was brought in by Ares in part to spy on Rhaegar and his allies to fuel to Ares' paranoia. Um, yep. Barristan says the rot in King Ares' reign began with Ferris. Uh, he seemed Who said to... that? Barristan. Uh, yeah. okay. He said, or it seems to be that he was on Ares' side. He's the one that counseled him to go to Harrenhal. He's the one that counseled him not to open the gates at King's Landing when Tywin came. Um, 
And so. I mean, if his mission was to sow chaos to pave the way for the Blackfire return with Illyrio, Ares is the guy you want on the throne, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel, I feel though, like, what I. Hmm. But this whole Aegon thing, Phaegon thing, doesn't happen in this timeline. Now mm, it might. Well, because baby Aegon doesn't get killed. No, it's just they'd have to crop somebody else. Yeah, in. they'd have but, to figure some other way to get the. Yeah, get him in there. Yep, but I don't know. I tend to kind of believe Eris, uh, some uh, Ferris sometimes, but man, so you just have to ask, I guess. Like, is there motivation to get a Targaryen back on the throne, mm-hmm. or is there motivation to get a Blackfire back? Throne? Right. We don't really know, right? But Varys continuously speaks over and over and over again that he's doing the best for the realm, the yeah. good of the realm. The, the realm good of the realm, he wants peace. Right? Isn't that what he says to Kevin Lannister as he's killing him? Kevin like, and Ned in the jail, too. Yeah, where uh, he doesn't have any reason to lie to Kevin is the point that people make about Varys' intentions is what reason does he have to lie to Varys because, or lie to Kevin because Kevin's sitting there with a crossbow bolt in him anyways. But it's just one man's opinion of what's best for the realm. He's not a Wunderkind. Sure. Yep. He's just a, you know, a dude. Yep. Um, you know, the fandom seems kind of split on this, whether they believe that he's out for the better of the kingdom or not. Um, does he know anything about the others? I have no idea. Delirio? I have no idea. If I mean, not, and this, that's a huge blind spot, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the main component. I'm doing the best for my realm, for the realm. Oh, did you know a meteor is coming? Oh shit! <laughs> you know, like it's it's a huge thing. Yeah. So, so what's their end game? I don't know. I mean, with the Targaryens still in power, maybe depending on what you believe about them, the game changes to the fact that they're like, oh great, we're still in power. We don't need to do anything. Or if their goal is Blackfire you know usurpers then it's like oh okay now a whole lot changes to be honest let's find a puppet and let's prop them up they just got to find the puppet yeah yeah um but the most interesting thing about this whole angle comes later when we get to the the next section really mm. with the dragon eggs and what happens yep. there that Illyrio has in his possession yeah exactly and whether those eggs mean anything or whether they don't to him. Like, was that a, was that just a meaningless gift of, of great value, but a meaningless gift? Or was that a hint? Yeah. Hey, man, you should do something with this. Yep. I mean, that's the question that exists just outside of this what if thing. But yeah. Even in the main totally. story is like, Definitely. did Illyrio know about the eggs? Mm-hmm. And if so, why would he give them to Danny and not his Aegon? Do you have anything else on Varys and Illyrio before we move on to long term? Uh, no. All right, Kalisar. It's time to move into the long-term ramifications. And by long-term, actually, we just really mean current term. We're going to measure what's happening in the current timeline of the Son of Ice and Fire novels based on the changes that happened when 
Rhaegar burst open the gorget of Robert Baratheon in the tribune. Ouch. Yeah, it was quite painful. So, the first thing I have, it's it's a weighty one. Matt, it's weighty. It's not something you can just run from. Weighty. John becomes what? Aegon becomes what? Oh, man. Because remember, baby Aegon was not killed. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. around. So, what's going on? Okay, yeah. I, uh, I sort of answered this before, but I think... I think Rhaegar would kind of see this as a division of responsibilities type thing. Aegon's mm. still going to rule the realm. He's going to marry someone. He's going to have a queen. And he's going to be the next king of the Seven Kingdoms. John is going to be that prince that was promised hero who is going to battle the others and save everyone on this hero type level. Uh that's what I think is going to happen in a short nutshell. So, so some sort of uh, limiting of responsibilities between these two kids. It seems a nice division. Too too efficient. Nice little division. Rhaegar's a smart guy. But Rhaegar said he needs three heads of the dragon. One of those heads is just uh, you know. Cleaning out the toilets? The other's him, right? Is he the third head? So he is putting everything into place. He is setting all of this up. He is the overseer. And then he's got Aegon to rule the administrative side of things. John to to save the world. Okay, but eventually it came down to... I mean, the, the... I don't have the quote here. I'm looking for it somewhere. It's in my notes, but... um. Eventually, it came down to, I need to be a warrior, so train me. Yeah. Uh, Rhaegar said in the yard. Right. So, he thinks he needs to fight. Yep. John needs to fight. Mm-hmm. Aegon is, you know, the housekeeper at home, maybe, but I feel like they all need to fight. I feel like there's some sort of three heads to the dragon thing going on here that now, needs to be resolved. No? Yeah, now, 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 when the others invade, if that's what were to happen... No question in my mind that if Rhaegar's still alive when that occurs, that he would be there supporting his prince that was promised. And Aegon, as the heir apparent to the Iron Throne, or maybe the king by that point, if Rhaegar is dead, would also be there supporting and fighting. But it would be Jon who is destined to triumph over the others. So you're saying, I think, that Jon goes to the wall anyway. I don't know if he goes to the wall. I don't know that he needs to be a member of the Night's Watch. I mean, he could. Well, there's something something symbolic in that, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, well, more than symbolic and and, and more just, you know, put up or show up. Show show up or put up? What's what's the phrase? Whatever. Whatever it is. Show up, man. Like, you're here to defend the wall, then defend it. Show up. But he's there to defend the realm, which the Night's Watch do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be a member of the Night's Watch to do that. That's a fair point. Yeah, Uh, that's what I'm saying. But, but, okay. So, okay. Um, There's a line in Hamilton, the musical, 
I'm going to get it wrong. It's going to be embarrassing for everyone, including me. We struggled and we fought and we killed for the notion of a nation we now get to build. This is what he says, Hamilton says to Burr. Because he, and he says that because Burr is hesitant to pick a side and actually take action and do something. Rhaegar has found Elia and gotten Aegon and cheated on Elia, whether he told her or not, and got Lyanna and killed Lyanna in her birthing bed to get Jon. And they have this triumvirate force of three. And it feels like your solution is, yeah, well, he's going to have Jon do that and Aegon do this and Rhaegar will fill in where he's needed. It feels like, man, he needs a more consistent plan. So what would you say that plan would be? Because to me, that plan feels very efficient. We're going to keep the realm stabilized. We're going to keep the realm stabilized and focused because no matter what, the realm still needs leadership. And I'm going to provide that leadership through the Targaryen line, which is Aegon. Here's what I think about Rhaegar. He is the heir apparent. I think think Rhaegar is an idealist. And he just looks at what needs to happen in the optimum solution. And so it's like, oh, I got to do this. And I got to do this. And to fulfill the maximum goal, which is protecting the continent from mm-hmm. these ice beings, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's going to be just rule as normal. And so, John takes this and Aegon takes this. Because John would still be focused on combating the others. Aegon would be focused on, well, the people of the realm still need to eat. Well, the, because I think the Prince of Was Promised theory says the three heads of the dragon. The three heads of the dragon don't give a shit of it if people eat. The three heads of the dragon are about combating evil. Okay. So, so, so tell me what you think will, it'll be then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Now I've got to scroll. I'm just seeing. Uh, I'm just seeing Rhaegar as being this. He's able above all things. I I see him as bookish and smart and good at everything he did. And I see him as being like, okay, you know, yes, I'm focused on the North. I am focused on the others coming and invading. But yeah. in the meantime, there's still a realm to run, and I have a responsibility to do that. No, that that that's actually yeah. No, that's funny because that's kind of the way I put it. I wondered whether he would be a capable ruler at all. Because I wondered if he would be more distracted by fulfilling the destiny. He's so distracted by destiny. He was just a kid learning and stuff and reading books and everything. He's like, oh, I gotta go to the yard. He's distracted by the yard. I gotta become a warrior. And oh, I got a wife now. Oh, I got this. I need to get another wife. And I'm distracted now. And I'm, oh, I got this little child over here. And Oh, I'm distracted by everything. I feel like he's... I don't actually feel like he's capable. I feel like he's running around crazy trying to fulfill some destiny that he doesn't really even understand. I will I will give you this quote in, in support of what you're saying. Barristan says he was able, that above all, determined deliberate, dutiful, 
and single-minded. Yeah. It's a good thing, right? It can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's all if about focus, right? If Well, it can be a good thing if what you're focused on is important. That's what I mean. Yeah, it, focus. Yep. But, but, uh, I, I wonder if he's so distracted by this element that he's not capable of leaving. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And it could be that. And hopefully he would have good people in place in his small council. I he'd end up, he'd end up being so. a lot like Robert in that regard. That just hit Maybe. me, right? Robert, yeah. but Robert was so focused on himself and the drinking. And, and the drinking and the women and and the spoils of being king that he wasn't focused on actually ruling the realm. We could see that with Rhaegar too, although his motives might be his a, motive a little is noble. More, yeah, yeah, more noble in, yeah. in the long game. Totally. But he'd be playing that long game so much that he'd forget the, the day-to-day ruling. So that could be interesting. Yeah. But but it's interesting because the the principle is promised, this whole thing. It's I mean, it's kind of the whole crux right mm-hmm. and so now we have a king presuming Arius Arius dies at some point we have a king two with sons. two sons mm-hmm. the heads of the dragon yep as prophesied to combat this ancient evil both are half Targaryen the sons both, <laughs> both are half Targaryen one is ice and fire you know how I hate all this bloodshed the other's fire and fire. I, I feel like you're trolling me. No, I'm just making it clear. Yeah, very clear. Uh, but what happens? Like, is that the thing? He's just kind of like, okay, I got my sons. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Or does he exactly. like reinforce the wall? Does he send more information to the wall or more recruits? Is he like, what else is he doing to make sure that the wall is okay? Yep. Yeah. What does he do then? And and this is where I've, I'm so sorry that I keep coming back to the sons, but it's like these sons just aren't going to exist like these two just sons that are just like do whatever Rhaegar wants them to do. Right. Like they've got to have responsibilities and probably one of them will have different strengths than the other one. And like, how does he deploy those sons? But as Justin, his fellow, need them both to deploy them? As his fellow heads of the dragons. Yeah. You're talking about them being the three heads of the dragons. Like, how does he deploy them efficiently? And John is apparently, if the theories are correct, the song of ice and fire. So I don't see them as having equal footing. I see John in terms of saving the worldness. Yeah. Being above Aegon. He is the and, song of ice and fire. He is the and reason. And yet Rhaegar said Aegon was the song of ice and fire when he was birthed. Yeah, and then we'd be led so to believe So what the that, fuck does Rhaegar know? Yeah, that Aemon, that he learned more. That's what we get. That's what I inferred from what Aemon is telling Sam and Gilly yeah. in, his, in, yeah. in Sam's POVs. Is yeah. that Rhaegar learned more and then he's like, oh, actually... <laughs> But, but why but actually why does, yeah, yeah. 
so, so he needed northern blood specifically? I don't know that blood, it's northern blood. Yeah, but it's the ice and fire, the Starks, the Lords of Winter. There's yeah. something very magical about their particular family and bloodline. Yeah. And it's like, so in my mind, he did all of this, started this whole war, everything we've been talking about to get John. And so I feel like John has, bless Aegon's heart, has a greater purpose than Aegon. That's fucked up, though. Of course it is. All like, this is. Why, like why? Just because he has Stark blood in him? Because he was the prince that was promised. But why? Why can't... Because Rhaegar thought Aegon was the prince that was promised. At one why point, is, why would he change his mind? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't That's know. That's what I'm asking you. Because yeah. he has Stark blood? I don't know else? either. Yep. Yeah. I would assume that there's something that needs to connect between Listen, the stark blood and the targaryen blood what are the odds needs to go what are, just just humor me for a minute what are the odds that rhaegar is fucking crazy right yeah all that yeah, we get on I this mean, is what amon says yeah i mean i look i i feel like Sometimes I feel like John is nothing special. He's just a dude. The only thing that makes him special is the way he was raised and how he responds to stimuli. He's great. He's amazing. But only just because that's the way his conscience works. It's not because of anything else. You know? Yep. It could be. I mean, obviously he's a skin changer and stuff. But... Well, that's just the Stark blood. That's the Stark stuff in him. But what makes him significant is what significant is what Rhaegar thought he was. <laughs> really? What well, what Rhaegar thought he read he needed. Uh-huh. Right? Like what did he read? You need to abduct a abduct a 16-year-old northern girl and have a child with her? Like what did he read exactly? I mean, it's a very specific thing. That's where I think he read something about... Uh, you're right. The specifics make it sound crazy. That's where I think he read something. This was probably after he claimed to Elliot that Aegon was the prince that yeah. was promised. Yeah. He read yeah. something after about this ice and fire connection. Yeah. And then he's at Hall. He sees Lyanna Stark mm. and it hits him. She's Lust. a daughter of, she's she, not only oh. is she beautiful, yeah, totally catches his eye. He's like, what's going on in my pants right now? She's <laughs> pretty. Uh, not only that, she's a daughter of Winterfell. She's the only daughter of Winterfell. Yeah. This is her. And then he sees her fierceness. Maybe he figures out that she's the knight of the laughing tree. And he's like, oh my gosh, who else could it be but her? Look at this girl. Look at her. She is a woman. And that's what made him go, this is it. This is the one. So your contention in the what if is that Aegon becomes important, a ruler, a king, Mm -hmm. but that Jon becomes the more key to this story, the northern story, to eradicate others. To eradicate the others, yes. Jon's destiny remains the same as it does in the main story. He is the song of ice and fire. What? What? Oh, you think that's his main 
Yes, in, in, in our story. Okay. He Great. is the song of ice and fire in George's story and in our story. I don't know if you know this, but I argued this on Twitter and I lost. So I'm glad <laughs> you agree with me. Um, okay. Well, let's, can we talk about Viserys and Danny? Because these are two characters completely We haven't even touched on Rael, Ares' wife, and Danny and Viserys. Yep. Danny's a potential bride for Rob Stark. Danny is a potential bride for Rob. Yep, she is. Maybe they maybe they marry Danny and Viserys. I don't know. Brother and sister thing. I mean, what's certain is that Danny does not stumble into the dragon magic, eggs. blood, yeah. fire. Let's talk about dragon that. magic. Yeah, that she stumbles into or. In acts, I don't want to say. I mean, she had a huge part in it for her willingness to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to shortchange her for that. Right. But um, in this timeline, she probably doesn't do that. In, in this and timeline, it's... she's probably raised as you know a cousin, basically, or a, I mean, she is a sister, but um, you know, she's raised as a child of the state, if you will. Yeah. You know, lives a comfortable life great health care access to dragons perhaps on dragonstone rather than king's landing yeah Um, yeah that's kind of sad to think about right i don't know if it's sad i think it sounds great maybe it's much better than the childhood she had it's better but then of course the question is do we get dragons i think we do okay we'll cover it a little bit later but i i think we do yeah. Danny doesn't stumble across them, doesn't get offered them in a wedding gift. Um, but yeah, I think we get them. Okay. Should we go on to the Starks? Uh, talk sure. About the Starks a little bit? Okay. We talked about them a little bit already. Right. I don't know that I have too much more on them. What do you got? No, I mean, I think I, I, mean, I, think I, I, I warned you earlier. It's, uh-huh. it's a bunch of you know, like nothing or this. I mean, Ned and Cat probably happy. Yep. Ned Ned doesn't probably continue with the southern amb- ambitions for richness. He makes alliances with the north. He's he's not really a man of pride. So he's not really that hurt by the loss he had at the Trident and getting his teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. He just probably goes back to the north and raises his family and. I mean, I guess if you want to get really sad about it, it's possible that only Rob is born. Rob is the only one that we know was conceived before all of this, but I imagine Rob and Cat got down, or Edder and Cat got down. Oh, careful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob probably gets trained proper, takes over at, the right, at a ripe old age, because Ned is not going to go south and die. Or... Or if the others attack and they're not prepared, then Rob is probably commander in the war against the others. Yep. Bran, I mean, look, Bran just keeps climbing, man. Yeah. So do you think Bloodraven ever gets to him? Because it seemed like that all happened after Bran's fall. I think he picked someone else, man. Yeah. I really do. I don't I don't think he detected the 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 warging component really at all. I 
I don't, so, I don't well, think Blood Raven even finds him. So what was special about Bran that he chose him in the first place? Desperate and Warg. Greenseer, right? Mm, I'm not sure that they knew he was a Greenseer at that point. You did, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Did he know that he... He was a Warg. Yep. Obvious. But I don't sure. know if they knew he was a Greenseer. I'm just, I'm not sure Blood Raven picks him. That's all. I mean, yeah. he, he wasn't injured until he was crippled, right? So. Yep. And so that's always been a question I have, even in the main story is, is did the fall, is that what put him on? Yeah, you're right. Brendan's radar. Yeah, you're right. Or did Brendan always have it in his mind? Like Brandon is my, Brandon Stark is my kid. He's got these abilities and I'm just waiting for the right time. I feel like I don't have the direct reference, but I feel like in sci-fi it's a common thing. Like an evil entity just waiting for a necessary soul to reach out and contact it and want the help. Yep. And Brand well, is if, in a very vulnerable position after the fall. Right, but if he doesn't gr- get crippled, does he's he, not. He doesn't reach out. He's not in that position. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and so I think Bran just becomes a dude, man. He becomes, uh, maybe he goes to the Night's Watch, or maybe he gets, just becomes a ruling lord, right? Or a willing lady of the north. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to help fight if it comes to that, but that's not, I don't think that's his role. My opinion only. But yeah, I think that's super possible too. Um, because so, I do think that Blood Raven contacted Bran in his vulnerability. Yes. That Bran was ready for that. Hey, and like, you want some sugar? Happen. Hey. Hey. You want some sugar? Exactly. I got your fix. <laughs> Brendan pulls up in his van with no windows. And, and by that you mean Jeff. That's your fix. <laughs> I got it over here. Come on over, kid. Uh, Sansa, then... though. I mean, San- Sansa never gets to court in the South. She longs for the songs and splendor that she always hears about. But probably she just ends up marrying a lord, right? A northern lord, and she spends northern all lord, her time yeah. trying to create that that carnival that she wants to see. Yeah, maybe if uh, maybe she marries a Manderly and gets to go down yeah. there. It's one of the nicer towns in the north. One of the but, closest to a southern town or city. But in the end, I bet she kind of commands her husband anyway and everything because she has that latent ability that she doesn't always use that I feel like she could just kind of take control and make a happy life for herself yeah no reason to believe she wouldn't be happy Rickon here's what I think happens with Rickon I think he joins the Night's Watch he would be the uh, I mean He's the candidate, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess whether or not Benjen joins too, Rickon's right for it. You've got Rob, you've got Bran. Yes. Rob's going to start having kids. Yeah. What's there for Rickon? But I, I will say, if things go bad, Rickon is the one, zombie movie style, who will single-handedly defeat others. Riding on so, his unicorn. Yep. Yeah. 
stabbing them one by one. Uh, Arya, though, is the side kiss. I, I left her for last because... I'll just give you all a few seconds to think about it. But... Arya, in this story, even in Game of Thrones, before she goes south and is truly ostracized, the whole time, Arya is living a life of repression and anxiety at being forced to be someone she isn't. In this timeline, she never learns to water dance, to express herself, to get that athletic, creative bent out. She never gets that. A way to focus all her energy and anger, frankly. Yes. Frustration. Some, something she's needed forever. Mm -hmm. That she's never had, that she gets in King's language. She never gets that in the moment. She yep. never gets it. She learns to channel it. Yeah. She never learns to walk. She'll never do that. Yep. She struggles when she listens to her mom. When she listens to Septa to learn to sew. When she listens to the cook on how to bake pies. And her life is awful. <laughs> she hates it. She's miserable. It's not as bad as this timeline where she's tortured and made to suffer. It's not as bad as this timeline, but it's bad. Because she never gets any sort fulfillment. of fulfillment or happiness. And beyond that, she never gets to even make a choice to decide whether she approaches that happiness. Mm -hmm. It's all decided for her. And this is the fate of so many, so many people. She has an awful yeah. life, Arya, either way. Unless <laughs> Eddard sees what he sees in King's Landing with her and is able to not set up the same thing, but does that perceptive dad thing that he does in King's Landing. And he might. And he finds some way to compromise with her and help her feel a little more fulfilled. But yeah, he what might... you're saying is super probable and super sad. So All I'm going for is to depress the nation. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going for. All right. Gotta the wall help. and the battle with the others. Anything <clears throat> for this? Yep. Well, I'll start, I'll start off. We don't really know at all what this battle looks like yet because it hasn't happened. Right. So suffice to say, though, that I think we all think that dragons will play a part. It seems natural fire against ice. Uh, but I think in this timeline, it's, it's a little different, no? The players will certainly be different. I don't know that you'd have Daenerys. <laughs> I love your answer. It feeds totally into my closing statements. Yep. 
You got, uh, I mean, if we're doing three heads of the dragon, it seems like you'd have Rhaegar, John, and Aegon up there fighting. You'd have Rob and maybe like Eddard if he's still alive fighting, uh, fighting the ground battle. I don't know. Along with the Night's Watch. Is that enough? Probably not. I think you would need someone who can unite the realm and bring them north to fight. Mm. I think this would have to be a Seven Kingdoms type kind of war. Thing. Yep. Mm. Interesting. You don't think they need dragons? No, I think they do need dragons. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not assuming they have them at this point. Why, why yeah. would they? I, I'm interested to see. You mentioned earlier that you had some ideas on how they got them, and I'm interested to hear that. I don't. Well, uh, well, I didn't think about it that hard. I was too busy making marriage matches. <laughs> Good for you. Someone has to, or you know, the human race will expire. And you know what? <laughs> Maybe it should, based on what's happened in the last week. I'm ready to. I'm ready to take that. I am the Alisan Targaryen of this episode. Well, you're better than me, Matt. We've established that for the last five years. Oh, shut it. Did Rhaegar have some other path up his sleeve to bring dragons back into the world? We know there are eggs. We've heard from Fire and Blood there are eggs friggin' everywhere, right? Like, lots of eggs. We They're old a, now. We might have a clutch in Winterfell. We might have a clutch in Winterfell. We might have a clutch in Dragonstone, well, out of a clutch, fight for several clutches, even in King's Landing, frankly. They're probably hidden. They're old now, but we know, frankly, from Danny in our current series, that old doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, they can be. The dragon's eggs were 140 years old or something. Mm -hmm. So maybe Rhaegar stumbled onto some secrets to make them hatch and was about to put any number of eggs from the clutches that he found somewhere in the cribs of his two young sons, Aegon and John. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should call him something besides John. Aegon and Yon. Yon. Anyway. Well, we could go. Nope, I'm not going to bring up the show. I'm not going to bring up the show. I'm <laughs> not going to bring up the show. Carry Please on. don't. I don't want to hear it. Fuck nope. that thing. You do not want to hear it. I don't. I've heard it once from you. I don't want it again. The point is, you know, that maybe Rhaegar has figured this out. And does it does it have to be? I wonder if it has to be the same way that Danny figured out. No, no, does no. There have I to be know, the, the sure. blood sacrifice and all of that craziness that led to the birth of her dragons. Will it require Rhaegar? to make some sort of sacrifice in order to hatch these things? Or is he going to figure out a more stable, sustainable, safe (laughs) way to hatch these suckers? It's interesting. Man, it's it's a great question. Because we hear the theme, death must pay for life all the time. Right. We saw that very, very, very directly with Danny and Game of Dragons and losing so much of their important tech. And so it feels like that statement is almost ironclad. Yeah, is there a price Rhaegar's going to have to pay? Yeah, exactly. And what would that price be? Oof. Is it 
Danny Viserys. Is Maybe Danny ends up playing a part. Yeah. Is it Rhaenys? Is it Aaliyah? Was Lyanna already one of them? Did he already pay that price losing Lyanna? Man. But I but know. I think we have to agree that Rhaegar himself, Rhaegar must think that whatever it costs, it's worth it. Yep. Determined, deliberate, dutiful, single-minded. Shut up. With that, with, the, with all these book quotes, Ooh, I'm going gonna to give you another one, sir. Um, mm. I'm not certain. So Barristan says to Danny, I'm not certain it was in Rhaegar to be happy. You make him sound he had a so sense of doom. You make him sound so sour, Danny protested. Not sour, no, but there was a melancholy to Prince Rhaegar, a sense. And it says the old man oh, hesitated. Doom. A sense of doom. He was born in grief, my queen, and that shadow hung over him all his days. So in support of what you're saying, if there's a maybe, you know, part of that melancholy was knowing that to achieve what he felt he had to achieve, there was going to be a price he had to pay. And that price a was, sense of doom. was going to be, it was going to lead to a shadow hanging over him all his days that yep yeah so maybe he kind of understood that and knew that and maybe he didn't know quite what it was yet but he knew he would have to pay it yeah and that contributed to his melancholy nature yet dutiful i like it uh also beyond the wall though dragon glass not found Sam isn't even there. Well, if Sam, one of my notes I put is if uh, Sam was there, he'd get eaten alive if yeah. John's not at the wall. <laughs> He's definitely not beyond the wall looking for dark for dragon glass. Yeah, that was my bullet point is Sam gets eaten alive. Both uh, are in Jafer are not discovered. They don't figure out about the fire. No whites, you know. Um, they never understand that dragonglass kills others right yep i mean they don't that... get any of the learning that comes with john's kind of progressive format if you will yep and sam's dutifulness in the library and all of that stuff and but but i have to think still with all of that without all of the help from john and sam and the knowledge and everything the wall is magic Right? Yep. The others aren't moving it. Yep. Right? Not on their own. Yes. Not. Thank you, Matt. Not on their own. Maybe I, we'll come back to that later. I help you segue even when I don't know I'm helping you segue. <laughs> I kind of can read when you've got a point to make. Of, and so I try to alley-oop you things every once in a while. This is kind of the way it goes yep. with the podcast with someone who's been here for years. Yep. All right. How about just a general, let's just step back for a second. Is the realm at large happy? Under uh, uh, Rhaegar, let's say that Rhaegar's now ruling the Seven yeah. Kingdoms? Rhaegar has been ruling for the last 16 years when the, when the books start. In, in the storyline that I'm envisioning, yes. The realm is stable. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always issues. But I, I think there's a general peace in the land. Yeah, I think I agree. 
Um, there is potential for Rhaegar to get distracted by the shiny, shiny object, but yep. I think he wants the best for the realm, so he'll get distracted enough by the important stuff that that it's okay. And hopefully, again, ho- and I agree with you on there, hopefully he's got people in place who are doing the right things. And, you know, if people don't need a reason to rebel, will they? They won't. Like, if they've got a good king... Man, who- don't test me right now with this, because I'll go off. This is this is a time to bring that up, isn't it? <laughs> no, not if you want our podcast to retain its listeners. It's not. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what I think, man. I think whether they are lulled into a sense of complacency or mm. whether they genuinely believe that Rhaegar has their best interests in mind. That's what it is. Yep. Okay. How about... This is awful. You ready for this one? Okay. No one is ready for this one. Blood Raven, man. I've said what I said. I don't know. I don't know. I think he and Amon had some sort of communication going on. Yeah. Um, So you, you think he's part of the good? Is a summary. He's he's that, trying that to help. That line is blurred. That really? line is blurred. I, it seems very clear to me that line. I don't know what which side Blood Ribbon's on, but the line seems clear. The line between maybe not the maybe a line is the wrong way to look at it. It's like a squiggly. Is it worth? Is Blood Raven wants the others to be defeated, right? Does he? That's... I'm not even sure he does. Sounds like you think he does. I think you're probably in the majority of the fandom. That's what I'm picking up. And, and you know, I haven't read his stuff in a while. I haven't analyzed yeah. it very closely. It's been a bit for both of us. But it appears... That's what he's trying to do. Man, I've but been I've been I've been distracted so a lot by the show. But do his Which methods, I haven't even watched. Do Just his saying. methods like are they justifiable? I don't know. I don't even know what his his methods are. I, I feel like I feel like uh who he summoned a child to him to take over the watch, the responsibilities that he has, and man, there's a lot of power in there. Yeah. But why would he go north? We know. Well, why he now, went. now, now you're speaking to a. a <laughs> A component that's very close to my heart. Okay. Uh, why would he go north? So, Blood Raven was a man that I, I, I will struggle with the complete history because I don't have it right in front of me. 
Um, but he was a man who fought against all sorts of, well, let's say evil. I mean, it's not maybe evil, but at least uprisings. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to maintain a status quo that was sustainable. He counseled others that were in charge and ruling the kingdom. He did a lot of things that made people question whether or not he was a dark arts teacher. Yeah. And so he's not he's not a wholesome individual. However, mm-hmm. I argue that he has never done a lot that was bad for anybody. And so I'm I'm tempted to believe him believe what he does and trust his motives and so when he went missing in roughly 252 ac it's from memory it might be wrong uh that he went off for a good reason Mm -hmm. and i think that he went reasonably alone Mm because that's what we're told because he knew he was stuck And because he knew he was going to find things that were dangerous and because he knew that he could communicate those dangerous things back by himself. Mm -hmm. Man, Matt, this is a long way to go for this theory, but I believe Blood Raven is an asset of the South communicating back to the wall to help the North defeat the others. And he's a good guy. That's my theory. Okay, so we're in agreement then, right? Just disagree with me occasionally, man. Well, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, why else would he go north of the wall to finish off his life there if not to be in on the fight against the others? You ask that question, like, are we sure that he is in on the fight against the others? And I'd say just the fact that he's going beyond the wall to live out the rest of his days in a tree... Why else would he do that? Only by accident. <laughs> only only scientific discovery ended up there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can't so, I can't think of another reason, Matt. I can't. I, exactly. I can't think of a reason where it's like Blood Raven was evil mm-hmm. and bloodthirsty. And he thought, oh, I can go get power in the north. And I'll go hook myself to, up to a tree and get powerful. I, I just can't see it. And he's smarter than me. Blood Raven, for sure he's smarter than me. And maybe he has another path to that, but I don't see it. And and I've said this before a number of times on this podcast. I get a sinister feel from him. Yeah, um, totally. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a... He could be a bad guy fighting for the right thing. That's happened before. Um, or a not great guy. Maybe he's not a bad guy, but... Yeah, so I still get this sinister feeling, but I also believe he's in the right fight, or he's on the right side of the fight. I don't know. Anyways. I think a servant of the enemy would look fair and feel fouler. Feel fouler. (laughs) Uh, It's Lord of the Rings. Can I just... (laughs) Go ahead. Can I just give us some perspective here? (laughs) Just Please. to show how far we've come, Scott. 
This just what? hit me, just to show how far we've come. Yeah, please. I, I'm dying for that perspective because... What if, what if Rhaegar Targaryen had won at the Trident? Just saying that. And had here we won. are talking about Bloodraven beyond the wall. That's how sweeping this question is. It's nuts, man. This is crazy. I love it. Listen, we are right to consider it. I do not question our motive. Stop <laughs> filling me with doubt. I just love this. I love that a question like that too. led to this too. conversation. That's all. I, uh, Blood Raven has felt foul for me from day one. And so the quote that I read, I think an enemy, uh, I think an emissary of the enemy would feel fouler. Uh, I mean, I feel like he does feel foul. Mm -hmm. So I am still nervous about him. But I still kind of, um, you know, and sweet. She's convinced me from day one that Bran is the hero of the story. And so kind of believe it i still believe it bran is the hero i don't believe he's bad i believe he's a hero i definitely don't believe he's bad blood raven might be mm -hmm. but i don't think bran is i definitely don't think he's bad anyway okay anyway. where the hell are we um i think we're about mel and azor Ahai business I don't even know on that. That's something I didn't even care to touch. No, yeah. No, okay. Well, I'll just say uh, it's a little weird. If you don't know, Mel comes on her own to Westeros, Dragonstone specifically. Uh, and it's we her choice. She's, she's not. Yep. We did in, our, in a recent episode. We, we did talk about this. Um, but she's not like sent there. From the fiery church she just goes on her own as if she's free mm -hmm. and once there she well it's not really fair to, for me to say it that way i was gonna say once there she decides that stannis is her pick she may have felt that before she arrived we don't know mm -hmm. but regardless when she gets there she's like oh stannis you're the pick i feel like it's an odd choice I feel like in this new timeline, there would be a different choice. She gets distracted by John in the north as soon as she gets there, almost like somebody who came from a small town and never realized there were jocks with actual muscles in the next town over. You wouldn't understand that. Neither you or I have muscles. But <laughs> the point is, she's like, oh, wow, there are other options. Right. But in this new world, there are lots of other options. Her inter interpretations of the fires may have heavily influenced her to see any number of things, but it could have included Danny, could have been fostered on Dragonstone, right? It could have been Danny. Like, it's the same answer. We just got to it in a different solution, right? Yeah, you see these different fires and different, you see different. The interpretations of in the fires can be very different, and but Danny is just and... Danny is just sitting there waiting to be used. A powerful, intelligent, beautiful mind, just ready to be explored, and she's just sitting there, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And Melisandre could find her. 
or Viserys, the awful child, she could find Viserys instead and make a mistake. Or Rhaegar himself. Yeah, if you've got Rhaegar already, the king, does she just come and pledge allegiance to him? Exactly what I'm saying, Matt. There is no reason to choose Stannis if you're Melisander looking at the current political spectrum. That's all I'm saying. Yep, I agree. And so I think she would have chosen someone else. Maybe Danny, maybe Viserys, maybe Aegon, maybe John, maybe Rhaegar himself. We don't know. Yep. Uh, a quick, very quick, because I imagine I have nothing to add on this. <laughs> Departure to Essos. Essos is screwed. Slavery, slavery. continues. Yep. No one does anything. Period. In terms of characters, uh, Jorah dies alone. <laughs> I put that in yeah. my little bullets yeah. of other story. I have a he drinks a lot of wine, lines. yep, and then he dies. Jorah dies alone somewhere yeah. in the totally. east. Totally. <laughs> ah, that might be it, man. Okay. Uh, I have one more thing. One more thing. Yes. You ready? How does all of this affect Varys and Lyrio's plans that they that they've set up? Okay. Because, because this whole story is about others versus dragons, right? Maybe. You'd like to think that. Okay. Well, let me take a half step back. So Rhaegar has. This whole thing, this whole prisoner's promised three heads of the dragon. Holy fuck, there's no dragon. Illyrio has dragon eggs. I don't know whether he gave them to Danny because he felt they were potent or because he just felt like they were paperweights. Okay? But the fact is, Rhaegar, when he read this whole theory thought there's something I can do here I have to stop whatever's about to happen Mm -hmm. and that whole thing that's about to happen includes dragons right yep so I don't know does do Illyrio and Varys gift Rhaegar dragons in 290 when they're like I don't know what to do with these. Does Rhaegar have a supply of dragon eggs in Dragonstone to hatch? He may know where some are. He may. Mm-hmm. I think that's it, unless you got more to add. <laughs> no. <sighs> so we move to closing thoughts. Um, I have some. Yes, you do. Here's, here's my opinion. A lot has changed. But the key movers are still there. The War of the Five Kings, of course, doesn't happen, but some other conflict probably would arise because the kingdom kind of stabilizes and unrest settles and the kingdom aches for it. Robert's Rebellion was really just a precursor to some other event that would create a shakeup that was successful. But 
in the grand scheme of things, really. The others, Relor, there's still movement there. Magic coming back into the world. I think a lot of the end beats are still the same, with maybe different characters playing the roles. The others are still rising. Though, you know, why is an interesting question. We don't have any understanding of that yet. But Melisander, she's coming. Azara High. The strength of, you know, the Red God is, wa- is waxing. Dragons may still come with maybe the same person bringing them and maybe someone else. We don't know. It's Danny or someone else bringing the da- dragons into the world. Rhaegar, though, we know is plugged into the other struggle. At least we believe that, right? For those of us on the Team John or whatever train. We believe that he's plugged into that struggle. That he's going to pay more attention to the water. Uh, but we have to come back to this. The bold strokes of the world like this, though. A, a world driven by gods and monsters. They won't be deterred by a stag and a dragon having blows in a river. Regardless of the outcome. The heroes and the villains that emerge to define the details of that greater struggle may change. And that's what all of us, that's what we're here for, the details, right? But the deaths, the honorable actions, the growth of characters that rise to the occasion and fall, of those that can't rise to that occasion, that's what we're here for. There will be someone to carry the stand. There will be someone to let the others know the way. But regardless of the who's and how's, winter is coming. Get ready, y'all, because Robert's Rebellion, its outcome, it didn't change much. In the end, the events of 300 AC are coming, regardless of the heroes and villains involved. That's my closing statement. A very good one. Yeah. Anything to add? In the end, the others are coming. Others are coming. In the end, yeah. but it's interesting how sometimes you see the political stuff and everything that's happened almost as like a distraction. Yes. But it's interesting to see, and it is to a degree, but that distraction puts people in places. Hmm. What do you mean? Arya, Arya, for example. Ugh. Arya going south mm-hmm. with Eddard put her, is putting her in a distinct position to influence the big game. I'm talking in George's story now, not our what if. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that was all part of her being in King's Landing when everything fell to pieces. Yep. Right? So Same. that political distraction, Jamie and Cersei coming up the King's Road with Robert Baratheon, set Bran up in a position to, as Anne says, maybe be the hero of all of this. Right? So it is interesting. 
that these events are coming no matter what, but the distractions are actually putting pieces in place to handle those for better or for worse. And maybe are the are the distractions more important to us? Yeah. Right. Yep. As readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Hmm. All right. Okay, That's we're gonna close. close out now. Yeah. With uh, closing comments, I'm gonna go first. And. Uh, This won't be comfortable, and it might lose us some listeners, but we do not care at all. Our system is broken. George Floyd was murdered. It was the action of one racist man, but it was looked on not just by the public and by millions who have painfully struggled to complete video just to see the brutality for what it is, but also by three author officers completely complicit in a man's death. Beyond that, and also responsible to the man's direct supervisors and his precinct, which developed a culture in which this type of racist behavior was deemed appropriate. A long-standing culture in which Derek Chauvin felt that he would be supported in taking the action of kneeling on the neck of a struggling black man. A culture that supported him in over 15 years of complaints and deaths at his watch. Beyond that, we have whatever directives have come from the higher-ups that have indicated that a thin blue line is acceptable at all. That the police will watch each other's backs rather than watch their fellow officers for malfeasance and stop them in those instances wherein they are violating the law. This is a system we need to change. Justice for George Floyd. Justice for all those subjugated. Fix the system. Fix the police. That's it. This week, it's all I have in me. Old pirates, yes, they rob I. Sold I to the merchant ship. Minutes after they took I. From the bottomless pit But my hand was made strong By the hand of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom Cause all I ever had Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourself from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We got to fulfill the book won't you help to sing these songs of freedom when all I ever had redemption songs redemption songs 
Redemption song.